Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. And how fast the year goes, Boxhead, we have arrived at grand final week. Second versus third, the Roosters overcome the Melbourne Storm and the Canberra Raiders nervously get through a game against South Sydney and make their first grand final in 25 years. It's an interesting grand final. It's one that I wanted to uh, wanted to see. I think um, people who have been listening probably know that I've been pretty firm on the Raiders as, as being a genuine chance since, I don't know, probably since early July, I think. Um, They've had to overcome Melbourne in Melbourne twice. Uh, earned themselves a home final. As you said, nervous was the perfect description of how they played on Friday night, but still were good enough to get the job done under and through some adversity. And the Roosters were just too classy. I went to that game at the SCG, ventured out by myself because you were you were crook um, and had a few other, other blokes who were supposed to be coming with me pull out. But um, ventured in there on my Pat Malone and had a look and... Um, I tell you, they weren't the Roosters weren't as impressive live as what they were last year in that grand final against Melbourne. But Melbourne were nowhere near as impressive as what they've been in previous years either. So trying to get a draw a line of form through Canberra and the Roosters is difficult. I think if you if you if you just believe that the Roosters are the best side, which I think most people do, they're probably going to hitch their wagon to the Roosters. But I think there's a world there where Maybe these two teams are a little bit closer than what people think. But, you know, we're going to find out on Sunday, aren't we? Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I thought, similar to what you were saying, I think a bigger reason that game wasn't as smooth. I thought that game was very violent and physical, to be honest. And obviously, the Rucks are very ugly. The wrestle got involved. They're two of the best at it. But, yeah, I think the Roosters were nowhere near as well, clinical. Well, I thought the refereeing allowed that. The refereeing in between the two games, between Friday and Saturday, was starkly different. Friday there was there was flow, there was fatigue in the game. And on Saturday it was just, particularly in the first half, the referees just kept intervening, mm. uh, which I thought suited probably suited Melbourne, to be fair. Roosters probably want a little bit more flow than what Melbourne do, but well, I think they were getting away with... On the flip side hit. of that, though, Melbourne weren't the one getting the penalties. A lot the Roosters no, they weren't. got the better greens. So if anything, it was helping the Roosters, not Melbourne. If they got... At, at half-time, I, I honestly believe that maybe the Roosters hadn't scored enough points with how much dominance they'd had in the first half. So I thought the same as you when I was sitting there in bed. Um, a bit similar on the flip side of that, watching the Raiders against South, so I was worried with the amount of possession that the South started to get after the early dominance of the Raiders that they might bite them at some point, but they just kept dodging bullets. Um, you know, that strip from Hodgson, there was a couple of try saves, one under the sticks late in the game. It just seemed like South couldn't get the ball across the stripe. But before we go too heavy on those two games, we'll kick things off. Our grand final preview show, we'll have an in-depth preview, what we think of both sides, strengths, weaknesses, thoughts heading into the game. 
predictions for the big dance. But before that, as always, Boxhead, our set of six. Six tackles, thoughts, questions, statements, anything we have got from the weekend or leading in. Well, we're going quick fire this week. To we're this not going to spend 45 minutes on it like we usually do. Tackle one, though, grand final injuries, anything to look into for this game. I think on the Rooster side of things, you've obviously got Jake Friend, Mitchell Orbison, Luke Keary. From all reports, Luke Keary, no issue. Didn't look crash hot uh, during the game. Was limping for the most part. There's an issue. He's in a brace. Was limping two weeks before. Today, they reckon he was not in any brace, anything, and he was walking around fine. We didn't so. try him. I don't know. He didn't train. From what I so read, there is a train, concern so there. There is know. a concern there. I, I expect him to play. If he played last week, he's going to play. They'll needle him. It's last week. Yeah, where he came down on his ankle looked a little bit awkward, but he's he seems pretty like a straight shooter as well, Kiri. Like, it doesn't seem to me like he's interested in playing Ducks and Drakes. He sort of said, yeah, look, I, I, I twisted it. It doesn't feel great, but, you know, I expect it to be right for next week, and I tend to roll along that line as well. Well, he played pretty bloody well, I thought, last weekend, regardless of his injury. So, yeah, I don't think that's... He'll, he'll play. I don't think he'll play well. Yeah. Uh, the flip one of that, Orbison, obviously... Orbison, HIA, didn't look good. Bad concussion, so but... That's not going to be his call whether he plays or not. He's going to have to go through the protocol and, and meet those, uh, I guess, those tests and standards that they've got. Uh, I would expect him to play, though. If you're going to have money, you'd expect him to play. Yeah, I think he'll be clear. And but it was, a, it was a pretty nasty one. Jake. He hit the hip and... and was pretty wobbly, so if there's any residual effect from that, he's a chance of not playing, but uh, from what we're hearing, it seems as though he will play. And he's a vital cog in that rooster side. Well, he's also handy for a reshuffle. If he's, that's what I mean. He goes astray. He's just vital. Jake Friend was the other one that we talked about last week, and I spoke more to the fact that the two injuries to the broken forearm and also the reattached bicep were my issue. Last week, from all reports, and my, I, I guess the one person who I will trust on this would be Gus Gould because he's close enough to it, said yesterday that they were 100% playing him until they had a calf problem. So apparently a calf issue... Well, the calf issue's been around for a few weeks. Yeah, that's the real issue heading into this week, not yeah. the bicep or anything else. The question, I guess, is, and we won't know until kickoff because Trent Robinson, and rightly so within the rules, doesn't have to say a word uh, whether they play two hookers. So I'm assuming Jake Friend's in. If Friend plays, they have to play two hookers. They well, can't risk... Playing friend, not Verrells, and then having friend. I agree with you, but I think it goes one of two ways. You either carry Verrells and you push someone off that extremely stacked bench, or they have Radley fill in for, say, 20 minutes and they play someone else at lock. Uh, I don't think he'll want to carry two hookers. My opinion is if he's got any sort of niggle issue or problem. There's doubt you don't play. I know he is the captain. They all love him and he's highly sought and thought after, but they've got the job done with Verrells. Verrells is well and truly, as we've said, up to the standard. And the bench, the way it's been named for this game, is the best possible bench they could name. I'd rather have those four guys there and the versatility of Radley and just have Verrills, or if not, you're going with friend, I'm going all in with one hooker and I'm taking Radley as cover. I don't want to carry two hookers and lose that bench rotation. Yeah. The bench is stacked. Mm-hmm. And to win the game, I think one of the biggest points of difference, and every time we've spoken about the Roosters in the past few years or the teams that have won the comp, the bench is so important. And I think, again, their bench is yeah, one so of the big... Yeah, but so is having your best players on the field. Exactly. So but I still think line. the bench and the way you, you turn the game or maintain the rage, their bench has the capability to blow the game open. So uh, for the Roosters, in all honesty, though, I think Jake Friend plays Orbison, Kiri. All their concerns, I think, uh, will be cleared. Leilua forced off late with that calf injury. Uh, well, we're saying that's just a cork. Yeah, well, they think he'll be right. Or a bruise, so... That's that's very good news because it didn't look good. Yeah, so that's more likely. Well, so expecting everyone to play. Yeah, Jack White. The one that's the real question is Jake Friend. 
Yeah, Jack White and shoulder. Uh, if there's anything there, again. What do you reckon? Uh, hand on heart, what do you reckon with friend? They'll play? You'll play? I reckon or you'll play 100%. Okay, and do they carry two hookers? I don't know if he does. I wouldn't. I think. I, I think, think he, if he. If I think he will, but I wouldn't. I just. I'd be going with one and Radley as a change up for twenty minutes if I needed. But if Farrell's plays and friends out completely, uh, but if he goes two hookers, do you start with friend or do you stick with Verrills and you introduce friend? I'd start with Verrills. I'd, I'd start with friend. Just the way he plays for the first twenty, and I'd be introducing Verrills. But again, it's no. just also two interchanges you have to make that I don't want to. Yeah. So I'd rather just stick with Verrills or Friend 100% and Radley would be the guy. It also depends on whether they start Papali because we've seen in that game against Melbourne, Papali started from the bench as well. I, I don't think against the Roosters they can afford to start Papali from the bench. I don't think they've got enough trust in their bench, but we'll save that till when we get closer to the game. But Hodgson, um, his injury, a bit of a shoulder knock, and then obviously the HIA, which they're now been investigated. Um, how he didn't come off the field, I have absolutely no idea. The other one over the weekend, I guess, and I, again, I'm not biased at all. I thought Pappenhausen, when he copped the head knock and stayed down for a moment, if you go down to me, you got to go off for a HIA. Um, he obviously ended up for a HIA after he split his chin. Well, I disagree with that. I don't think just because you go down means you've got a head injury. I think it's more the wobbliness well, if they're out. If, if anyone if showed signs wobbly, of being concussed. Hodgson did. And I know people are going, well, what about what he did in that 15 minutes? I'm like, well, I, you've had a head knock. I've had one before. And a lot of times you can get up and kind of push through or kind of shake the yeah, cobwebs like, out. It's like a boxer being buzzed for a minute. Yeah, you just it's instinct. You just keep you going. Legs back. Still doesn't mean that there's not no. a residual there. Was it incredible what he did? But yeah, but 100% he looked like he was drunk. Mm. Um, so I thought that was insane. But yeah, the NRL is going to well, basically sweep this one. The, it's, the findings aren't going to be resolved until after the grand final. I'm the, I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but watching the game, I thought, well, it's kind of hypocritical again. We get to this time of the year. It's just very interesting Key player. the bunker or the brain bunker. And well, that was their job, so I'm not yeah. blaming Canberra. But the well, I'm blaming medical, Canberra a little bit. Yeah, I know, but the medical tent or whatever was there a couple of weeks ago in that roosters Rados game took like five or six blokes off the field for eye pokes and jaw knock, like anything they possibly could, they pulled up for HIA. Mm. It seemed overcautious, yet when it came to a prelim final and a bloke that got rattled, I thought, he was allowed to play the whole game. So... Yeah, I thought that was a bit strange, but I expect everybody to play. The only real big question, like you said, Jake Friend and the makeup of that. We'll talk about that more when we get to it. Tackle two, Kiri and Papali obviously cleared. Uh, I think that's right in case of this game. I think they both deserve to play. And obviously the return of Jared Rhea Hargraves after being suspended last week. So that's a big thing. But with both of these tackles, uh, Kiri's, do you have any issue? If you, yeah. Kiri's I did because I thought it was intentional. He, 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 got, he got palmed in the face, didn't like it, yanked the hair out, and then come in with a swinging arm. It was intentional. There was intent. Mm-hmm. So they called it careless. It's not careless. Well, he has no prize, so it was how, how would you have charged it? It was reckless. So would he have got... There was intent. So he would have got a week or more. No, I, I don't think he should get a week for it, but I think he should be charged with the right offence. Well, it doesn't... I, I it seems as though they've just they've just charged him... To ensure he only gets a week and gets off or whatever, so he can play in the grand final, so they avoid the controversy. Well, because it's careless and it's his first time, I think it. But it's not careless. Careless is an accident. That was not an accident. The um, Felice Cafusi was being pinned. It wasn't an accident that he swung his arm and almost took his head off. Hmm. Felice Cafusi didn't uh, return to the field. But this goes back to what I said the other week. If you're going to put in a careless. One. No, there's no fine for the hair pull either. If you put in a careless grade one for Marty Tapau knocking out Ray Stone, that's the standard you've set. 
So was that worse than what Marty well, yeah, did to the race? Then we just make excuses for us to get I, it wrong consistently. That happened against my team as well, so I'm with you. But I'm. I don't there. think it. I don't think it had a massive impact on the game. No. But what what I what I do think is that he it makes a mockery of intent. Like yeah. that was clearly. Yeah, he was going intent. in because he didn't enjoy the palm in the face. Yeah, and there's no nothing wrong with what he did, apart from the fact that he swung and tried to hit him in the head. Mm. And there, it would have been nothing. For him just to go in and drive into his ribs and be aggressive, like you don't, you don't have to. Yeah, take the hit head. him in the head. Yeah, and isn't that what we're trying to get out of the game? I thought Police Kafusi went off, didn't return to the field. I thought the hair pull looked worse in slow motion. I thought in fast it was more. I thought there was more made of the Papali tackle, where there was no intent to hit in the head, than what there was with Kiri, where there was clear intent. Yeah, I don't I th- know. I thought the I've watched a lot one. of rugby league over the years, and those two just looked. I couldn't believe that the Papali one had more media attention, and the Kiri one just. Oh yeah. Yeah. Move on. Well, nothing to see here. The Papali one for me, he probably needed to dip a bit more. Like the technique's outstanding. No, but it just there was nothing to... wrong with the Papali one at all. His head hit his shoulder because he'd, he'd hit him flush. Like his head came forward onto his shoulder. Mm, I don't know. I think he kind of slipped up onto it. But again, no, I, did, I, I, I didn't, didn't think first contact was the head. But to your case, and I said this to you earlier, if he had popped him in I the head... I don't care. Like, I don't think Kiri deserves to miss any time for that no, tackle. neither do I. However, he needs to be charged with... Yeah, the I, know. I get what you're saying, but I'm telling you, the standard they've set, and especially, again, we said this a few weeks ago, if Tapio KOing Raymond yeah, Stone I get all that. is I careless get that, level I get that one, argument. well, it's sh- easy to walk in and argument. go, well, this is careless one. So I get what you mean by the intent, but yeah. they set So that, what wasn't he charged with intent? They set that standard. So if they set that standard, that's the way you get graded. So it's a fine. Yeah, well, the judiciary's a crock. Uh, and yeah, I said to you on the flip side, if Papali's tackle rocks him in the jaw and busts his jaw, then are we having the same conversation? I thought the technique was spot on, but he did make contact with the head. But if it led to an injury... Yeah, but if you're going to really go down that, like, and then you talk about contact with the head. Okay, so if I get up and my shoulder grazes someone's head, that's contact with the head. So we're talking then about the level of impact. Is that how we differentiate between what is and what isn't charged? Like, if you really want to go into contact with the head, there's contact made with the head in every tackle. I I don't understand what road we're trying to go down. I think if, if it's intentional... And it causes um, injury, not even if it causes injury. If it's intentional and you hit someone in the head, you should be rubbed out, not for a significant period. I think, you know, there's there's time and place for, you know, you, you fuck up once, that's fine. But for the guys that do it repeatedly, they need to sit out for long periods of time and then they'll change their behaviour. But this crap where we just charge with careless and fine them or give them a week, it's why it sort of continues. Oh, well, the Sam Burgess one's one as well, where he hit Moylan. I didn't think there was a, there was intent in that, but he cleaned him up and he didn't get a charge for it. Mm, he KO'd him, and then he gets and he gets a week for, for the hairball. But again, yeah, his ones come back. That's because the, it's multiple. I multiple. understand that. That's as the well. difference between his and Kiri's in a way. But even still, I don't understand loading. I, I don't like loading. The offence is the offence. Yeah, no one likes loading. Loading's stupid. Should just be if you're a repeat offender. The forget loading. The week's just no. Going. The, no nothing no should go up. Nothing should go up. It should just be. The, 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 you do the crime, you do the time. Yeah, the no, time allocated. Saying, to, there you, should be no loading. If you keep tripping, you can't just keep getting a week. We, well, Forget no, loading, but, but if you're a three-time offender, they go all But back, then again, you should differentiate it between... And again, there should be charges for an accidental trip. And if you're doing it three or four times, it's pretty clear it's intentional. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, so you get charged with can't more weeks. same charge. Well, I think you can. Why can't you? Well, if you if do, I go and speed at 45 kilometres and I get booked twice, I get the same fine. They get more because I did it twice. You also lose your license for an extended period of time, so the punishment's not the same. My whole point is, is if you trip three times exactly in a calendar the year and you're a repeat offender, 
you should get more weeks. You can't just go, well, that's a trip. No, that's see, a I, week, I disagree. That's a trip. That's two weeks. I, the crime, the, you the crime is it. the crime. It doesn't matter. You're still missing time. Well, if you do it multiple times, to me, that deserves to be. I don't think so. A level up on that to kind of discourage you. Yeah, I, I disagree. If you keep anyway. spear tackling blokes, but you go on for three weeks and three weeks, and then you drop someone on the head again for. But a if you time. spear tackle someone and it's intentional, the, the 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 actual suspension should be long enough to deter you from doing it in the first place. Should be a longer suspension. But that's our problem. So there you go. Uh, in the case, though, of both of them, I had no problem uh, with both of them being cleared. I didn't think they'd really have a big case to answer. And again, without prize or without anything major hanging from this season, you thought they'd both be cleared. More than happy that the full sides and hopefully full health for both sides so we get the best game possible on Sunday. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's the main that, thing. That's the goal. Yeah. Tackle three, moving on. Flanagan, uh, supposedly imminent that he will be going to the Dragons. Nothing's been officially announced yet, but Hornby will be moved on as to what's going on with the other assistant coaches, Dean Young, Matt Head, who's also the New South Wales Cup coach. There was reports that Dean Young was also going to be on the outer. I'm not too sure about Matt Head, but uh, I think Flanagan is a smart move. I think it's a good idea considering the circumstance they're in to bring in someone who's a premiership winner, a very experienced coach, and someone who's very good with junior well, doesn't that seem a little bit interesting now when you, you sit back and you have a look at the timeline? Gus Gould comes review. in, right, does a review. Then he's on 100% yeah. footy, been in, in, interviewed by Gus. He hired him and for then, his first job at the Roosters however many years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, I get it all. Hello. But I'm just looking at purely the coaching side of things. As far as what would be out there on the market and who you bring in or who you upgrade, you're not going to get many better people to bring in at this point in time. Mm. So I do get the convenience of all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, given their situation and the roster they have, they should be doing better. Um, and I know there was a lot that happened this year. And again, I... Still thought there was a lot of injuries and other drama that still didn't get enough credit, but they should have done better. And if they get somebody of his ilk or his quality there, you know, Mary McGregor, I'm sure will learn something off Flanagan and vice versa. But you're not getting your generally run-of-the-mill assistant or someone who's coming up or some brand new person, like you're getting a premiership winning coach. So I mm-hmm. think that's certainly something they could do with right now. So I'd be happy if I was a Dragons fan about that circumstance. Tackle four. <sighs> Smith... Storm, halfback woes, the way forward, your thoughts, my thoughts. We spoke about this previously uh, multiple times. In my opinion, I still, I think, out of the last couple of days, a lot of hoopla and people talking about like almost the demise or they can't take the next step. I just want everyone to kind of take a step back for a minute and remember this team just went 20-4 and four without a supposed halfback and they've had a constructed halfback previously and this is also a team that lost Billy Slater Cooper Cronk the last two years and has still won minor premierships and finished in the top four. So for everyone throwing shade at them and saying they don't know what they're doing and why would Craig Bellamy swap his halves or do this with his fullbacks, they still finished first. They still mm-hmm. made the final four. They're doing a lot better than a lot of the other clubs are with so-called halfbacks and so-called spines. So maybe there's a little bit of perspective, first of all, for people questioning that side of things. The late change came for a purpose because Pappenhausen's form was just so irresistible. He had to find a way to put him in. And clearly, as we've said before, he thought Hughes is a better football player than Croft. I know Hughes isn't a genuine number seven, but he also hasn't been trained or coached up or put in that position full-time and intentionally. Cooper Cronk, to me, was never ever, or as they said, a full-time number seven until they made that decision in 06. Could Hughes turn into the next Cooper Cronk? I don't think he's similar as far as the way he plays his game at this point in time. But the way forward and everyone's saying they're crying out for a halfback, well... They're not the only club that could do with a number seven. 
Brody Croft's clearly not the answer to be the number seven. Is Hughes the option? Do they go into the preseason, give him a full run and coach him up? Possibly they do, but you tell me what's available on the market that you'd go out and get to solve that problem in the next 12 months. The only way around it. Yeah, but again, the market, contracts mean fuck all. There's, I get You that. could get someone off. Look, to get it's somebody... a convenient opinion to, to say, oh, well, they should have played Croft because two weeks... Well, there's a lot of experts going, oh, this way can say that's they've tough, muffed it. That Croft you know, was that's ordinary. That's a tough call to not have... Like, we've seen enough of Croft. And no offence on the flip side. They were going, well, was he restricted in the system? This, this, this is the thing about the system. The system allows you to do what you're capable of doing. They froze him out because he couldn't handle playing one side of the field. If you can't utilise an Australian yeah, he was state also of origin, a peanut off the field. Well, they had little bits of issues there. And then now this week probably proves a point. They gave him leave to go to Sydney and he didn't tell them anything about the meeting he was having... With, got spotted yeah. with Anthony Seabold. So as if Melbourne are going to be happy about that yeah. or questioning the decision. He didn't play well enough. Mm. He couldn't manage one side of the field with an international back row, a centre and a quality in, a winger. So if you can't do it there at Melbourne with Cameron Smith... And the other theory, and especially more bothered me, I saw some Melbourne fans saying it, that they play Cameron ball and he overwhelms and ruins everything. Well, if I remember correctly, he played with an immortal, possibly the greatest fullback of all time and one of the best halfbacks who used to play with this Cooper Cronk. And the team was very well balanced. The reason he played a heavier hand in what was doing this year mm. is because Cameron Munster was out for origin and the back end of the year was playing busted. And he had somebody outside him who wasn't a genuine halfback. And prior to that, someone who wasn't capable of Brody Croft. The system and the coaching and the side gives you as much as you can handle. Brody Croft couldn't handle the role he had. I think it's well and truly proven that he's not the but answer. Just, can't we just say he, he just wasn't playing well enough and Hughes deserved his crack and yeah. it was the best move for them to Hughes is a better footballer. But for Brisbane even right now, I, I like Anthony Seabold now, but I'm confused as to them thinking he's the answer because, again, he was also a manufactured Well, seven. I'll say this. Uh, Jerome Hughes gave uh, Felice Cafusi a pass that led to a line break, and that was the first line break I reckon Cafusi's made in yeah, two years. He actually engages. In the last few weeks, so, I think I think Felice has played his best few games the last few yeah, weeks. So who's played inside him? Well, Jerome that's my, Hughes. That's my point. So, yeah. I just don't think Croft has fitted in in Melbourne. I also don't think he's as good a halfback as I hoped he was going to be. That's my point. He and hasn't fitted in because he's he's not meeting the from, standards. From that what they I've seen, for Brisbane to think that he can go up there and that's run a strange that signing. Side, that means you're going to have strange. him dominate both sides of the field, the kicking, all the control. He couldn't do that at Melbourne. I don't know. Well, he's going to be better than what they've got because they've got nothing. They've got Dearden. Well, they've got Dearden. I think they need a six more or an option next to him more so than they mm. need to hire uh, buy a Croft. Uh, for Melbourne side of things and how they resolve theirs. In my opinion, for what's on the market and what's available and what you do right now and money-wise, I think you do what we've done previously. You go a full off-season knowing that Pappenhausen's now a one. I think he'll be even better than he already was. Yeah. And then you look at Hughes and if that's the way forward, you can coach him up and work with him there and he gets a full off-season. I'm happy for him to push that way or they might go to where we've spoke about previously. Well, write it down now. Jerome Hughes is in a seven. He can't even pass. The, got, the other night watching him try to throw a long pass left to right, right to left. He can't do it. Well, the other option... He just doesn't have natural ball playing in him. Well, I, thought, well, I said it to you. You'd play, I'd play Smith at seven and I'd move one of the hookers into, into nine. Well, it'd be play, Brandon, Unless they well, think no, that Brandon's Brandon now in, a you, play, you can play then play Smith as your 14. You can cover lock and nine. I don't know, but I'd be looking at playing Cameron Smith at seven if you're not going to go and get one. The simple and easy solution for me is go and get one. Yeah, who are you get? Or dig one, dig one out. They, they'd have to have one somewhere. Well, the other option in their Queensland Cup setup was 
Matty's son, Cooper, was upgraded this year, played most of his year. I think he's still right, 20 years You don't upgrade him to sit there and not play, he, so he'll, he'll get a crack. He played all right from what I saw up there, so whether he's physically ready or up for that next year. He was year, playing for the Falcons, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, so he had some good touches by the looks of things. They've got a young kid, as we spoke about the other week. He's a couple of years away, though. That's not the option right now, but he's their big hit and hope for the future, Noel Griffiths. As far as what's on the market is not stealing someone right now, the only other player I see out there that I think can come down there, run an edge, kick well and do a job is Sam Williams for a cheap option. Do I think that can win you a competition though? Well, I'd, I'd say I Sam, Sam but Williams. He's a genuine half. Sam, I'd take Sam Williams before I take Brody Croft. And in that system, and for what he's done previously when he's been plugged in. And he's a bigger body and he can tackle. And I think he'd definitely utilise Felice a lot, but he just do his role. We've had plenty of guys there like a Blake Green and that that have done a role. We've got to grand finals. We've already got to grand finals well, without the, a halfback. So the Raiders are going to have to shell, <clears throat> shell two halves or one half? I think George Williams is coming. I don't think they want Williams to go anywhere. Caesar's the one on the big money that'll probably move on. But I don't think they've re-signed Sam yet. Okay, so they're going to move Caesar. Well, Caesar's the one who got the big contract. Isn't he on contract? Yeah, but all the talk was he was going to get pushed and he's looking at the Super League. And from Mr. Gossip's news that we've got later on, I think he may be finding his way elsewhere. But I'm just looking at the market. Do I sit there and I... Yeah, but again, the market... There's not a lot available. The market... yeah, Yeah, okay. But... That's in yeah, terms of who's coming off. But as far as how much money they've got and someone willing to break a contract and move down there and they're that, that It's not even that. It's just a club going, yeah, yeah, we can go. But if you're not happy with Cooper Johns... And Melbourne have got a history of just making kids. players that look average at other clubs look good. Well, that's what I'm I, think, I think it's highly likely that Croft goes up to Brisbane and looks half the play that he did even at Melbourne. That We've seen that time and time and time again. I'd like to think, for his sake, I, I hope he does. I hope he does go up and point, play well. So yeah, do I. At Melbourne, it clearly hasn't worked, and he's not the answer. But, but be careful with what you're buying. Yeah. For Melbourne's side of things, offer the and money. And do you, do you think that they're going to pay him more than what Melbourne are paying? Well, they're talking they have to pay on that standard, which they're talking How around four hundred, four fifty next year. I think again, it's I'd, better than. I'd probably rather get a Sam Williams for now for two hundred or two fifty, to be honest, because I know what the job he can do. Yeah. But for Melbourne, like I said, the way forward is basically we've said Pappenhausen. The damning, the damning issue here in Brisbane is a how many halves they've let walk away. Yeah, the last couple B, of years we've ran through. And that again, before. that wasn't Seabold, but no. And and B is how little they have coming through now. They paid Milford. They paid Boyd. But he's not a half. Let, what I'm saying is coming they, through yeah, your no, system. They let Hunt go. They should never have let Ben Hunt they go. Let Taylor go. Taylor, Taylor going, I got because they had Hunt, but then they let Hunt walk as well. And then you're looking at kids like Sam Walker, who's just been signed by the Roosters, who was in their lap, and they've missed out on him, and he's heading down. He just played Australian schoolboys as a 16-year-old. Yeah. The and other kid signed at the Titans. There's other guys that have been in their Sexton, area. I think it is. Yeah, he's been around. There's guys like that the last couple of years. They're, to be fair, Dearden is there. Dearden's one that they've captured. I, I really hope the new one Tom now, Dearden comes in and just plays really, really well. So do I. And Corey pays the next one, but now they're talking that in the off-season they're looking to turn him into a hooker. And I'm like, you just signed Turpin, so why you want to turn him into a hooker? I'm, I'm confused as to what's going on. That one doesn't make sense to me. Mm. But for Melbourne... But, but, I mean, halves, the commodity that the halves are, they're a rarity on the market. I, I really do think that it, it becomes good economics if you can have... A development system where you're producing a lot of halves because and then you can obviously pick the ones that you want but you're also in a position there where you can you can ship them off elsewhere and get other players in yeah. to strengthen your roster at the moment Brisbane are trying to ship players who no one else wants no one wants the Jack Bird contract no one's going to sign Darius Boyd on the money that he's well, on the just thing- from a, I'm talking rugby league from a rugby league perspective 
Yeah. Like, who, who's going to sign Jack Burt to huge coin? He hasn't played pretty this much in two point. years. People are blowing up about... Boyd's been moved around and, you know, he, he's clearly at the end of his career. But he's entitled to stay and get paid because they, they all signed the contract. But my point is that on an open market, he's, there's no way he's getting that money from other clubs. I don't think someone would pay him They're trying to offer... Even right Andrew McCulloch, he played Origin last year, yeah. They got beat in that Origin series. He didn't get in this he's year. terrible this year. He's... He hasn't been great this year, no. Like, Turpin sort of came in and looked better when, when McCulloch was injured. So there's three players there who are, who you are paying significantly more money than what they're worth on the open market. And that is when you know, as a club, you get yourself into roster trouble. And they're in roster trouble. Well, we've got somehow back to Brisbane when we started on Melbourne. But at the end of the day... Well, we're talking about it because that's where cross going. But at the end of the day, talking about sevens in Melbourne, the way forward, what do you see as the way forward for Melbourne? Smith moves there. And you, and you put one Smith of these, moves to seven. Yeah, and you put one of these good nines in. We've seen him... Because that's your, that's your roster. You've got to play with what you've got. And a lot of people might go, well, why would you take Smith? The He's greatest the nine yeah. of all time out, but... But he'd be a better seven than any anyone they've got there. So well, you, if, gotta... if they can't get anyone else in, that's an option. The other option is you get out there and you go and you go and get someone. You look at it two ways, I guess. If you right now he's already playing that kind of mixed role. He's played more first receiver and kicked a lot more this year than he's. I ever think had that's to. overstated. I think it's overstated. I think it's I overstated know because I know a, a lot of Melbourne like to play a lot of long shifts, yeah. right? So they get to sidelines, and when they're on sidelines, you're never going to see Cameron Smith get to nine. He's always as a first receiver, as a link back yeah, to the. They get the wing of the pass to him. I don't so think he he's playing as much seven as what people think. No, he's playing seven as a link back to the middle yeah, of the field to get the ball. He's not ball playing a, a good lot pass. as a, as a so seven. So you don't pull your halves out of position. Well, no, not so much that. It's just so you don't have Cameron Smith running from one sideline to another. It's just inefficient. Mm. And if you've got outside backs that can throw nice well, long wingers passes, have to work on passes because you're saving. That yeah, you're saving energy. That's that's to me. I look at Cameron Smith's role, and I don't think he's playing seven. I think he's just playing within a system where they don't want to want him running off his feet and running extra well, the, kilometers the question is, when though, he doesn't have to. If you take him out of nine, does the game change? And if you put a Brandon Smith in a nine, I think the game does change around the ruck. Brandon at least Smith is it. not Cameron Smith. I'd at least look well, at it. Well, it's a preseason thing they're going to have to think about, but I, I honestly don't think they'll even consider the move. Why I do think him as a seven... And the so way he what, plays what, so controlled. Gonna, they're going to persist with Hughes. I think they'll either. If persist they persist with Hughes, Hughes, they can't win the comp. Well, again, I didn't know anything about Cronk back in the day, and they seem to manufacture. No, they're that. not the same players. I get that. They're not the same players. All I'm getting at is he actually hasn't and had the a games, full. You look at what Cooper Cronk's doing for the Roosters, I know that. and Kerry's doing but for the Roosters. But we're talking 16 seasons on. Yeah, I know that. And he's had a hell of a career, and he played with Slater, Smith, Krong, and he played some get great sides. I get that. But what I'm saying is... But you're talking about the side just, just then, like three days ago, four days ago, was a halfback away from beating the Roosters, who are now dollar thirty favourites in the grand final. I don't think it was all just about the halfback, though. I we think, got, we got, a, we I got think it was all about the We halfback. got supposedly the best... I think if you put Kronk in a Melbourne jersey yeah, we supposedly the night, have Melbourne win. We supposedly have the best 5-8 in the comp, and I didn't think he played that well the last month to six yeah, but, weeks. Because that he's getting the ball the when a seven should get the ball. And he's getting the ball when every team in the competition knows that when they get into the, a good part of the field and they get a quick play of the ball, that's where the ball's going. Still you you could see James Tedesco, no. You could see James Tedesco, every time they got to the middle of the field, put an extra defender where Munster was. Every time. Not completely disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying, it's not as easy as just going, well, we'll go grab someone. But you've had, the market previously you had, you and just go grab as someone. you said, you, you have those players and they, it, it's impossible then to throw that extra defender across. But you need someone who at least can go into the line, dig, throw a short pass, throw a long pass, and yet you don't have that. Well, to me, he, can't do he that. can go on the line, he can run, and he can play short. He can't if, do if it. If the long pass is the big thing. He can't do it. Like, there were times there where on the weekend, 
on Saturday night, Melbourne were playing the ball right on the try line, and Jerome Hughes is standing on the 20 metre line to receive the ball. And he'd stand there, catch it, and then start to run when the Roosters defensive line is dictating terms to him. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying Whereas no. you could see Munster, Munster a... knows where to catch, knows the width, knows the tempo, knows how to play short, yeah, knows how to play long, knows how to look off. He hasn't off. been coached or trained. I get, or no, to... I understand all that. So but you're not, not, you not going to manufacture just, it. Yeah, no, but you just don't get... Well, they've done it before. I'm saying no. you, don't get, you don't get the luxury to just go pick a seven. They don't I fall off trees. Hughes was a short-term plan to try and win it this year, and it, they came bloody close to doing it. Well, they weren't doing but it, it was with Croft. A, it was so. a, no, and I agree. That's I, I, was, I was the biggest person on that bandwagon. wasn't happening with Croft. So. I was the biggest person on that bandwagon. But now I'm talking about next year. Yeah. And you can't, run, the, you can't run it all over again. Well, they may not, not have the option, is my point. If they don't have the option, they can't win it. They're yeah, going to end up where they I are I didn't now. think they were going to win it this year. thought the Roosters were going to win it from day one. So not yeah, everyone then again, the like everyone's been saying that. Congratulations for picking the best side, the best roster to win the comp. But... You're talking about a side without a seven that almost beat the Roosters mm. at their home ground on the weekend. So they need to go and find a seven. But whether it's Cooper Johns is ready, whether they give a full off season and they persist that way and maybe they get eight weeks in and go with Cooper, whether they do make the move that we've suggested, which I have no doubt Cameron Smith could easily play halfback. You've got the New Zealand hooker and then you've got Harry Grant, who's the best young hooker in the Queensland Cup for the last two years. But again, that may not instantly transition to well, NRL can success. On, can you go and swap? But then the can style... Can you go and swap Harry Grant for a seven? The is... style of play, though, will dictate a big difference, I think, if you take Smith out of nine. Brandon Smith's not going to play the same way that Cameron Smith does, and Harry Grant doesn't play quite the same way. He's also more of a run-type hooker. A bit more creative, but I think you change the whole dynamic of the Storm team, and you have to make a huge decision if that's the way you move forward, which is the only reason why... Not that I disagree with you, but I think that doesn't happen. I think Smith stays the centrepiece as the nine. Yeah, I get and they that, but you need a seven. Yeah, and we'll have to see what they end up doing. But I don't think it's as easy at the moment you don't have one. as you can go buy one because there's not a lot out there. But we should probably spent way too long on that. But tackle five, PM's 13. Uh, that was named during the week. I had a list, and now I've lost it. You saw a bit of it. What did you think of that time? Uh, yeah. Interesting. I think they're going to Fiji, aren't they? They're not going they're to They're going PNG. to Suva next week, uh, or the week after the grand final, sorry. And they're and playing Fiji. They play against Fiji. So what happened to the PNG game? I don't know. It's been PNG for forever. And someone else asked the other day, what's the criteria and why are they not playing against... Um, no, it's usually people that aren't involved in the final series. To be honest, I don't know the bloody criteria. It's always just been picked supposedly by the PM, but obviously it's not really picked by the PM. It's more so picked by the selectors and they pick the guys they kind of want. It's usually a mix of young players, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's changed. But there's Moses, Gutherson, there's a lot of young guys in there. Mm. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's almost an Australia A really, isn't it? Is that is that how you describe it? I'd probably describe it as Australia A. Well, I'm trying to find a bloody Jake, list. Jake Jabroyevich. I think was named captain, wasn't he? I've just tried to find it, and I've now found two old lists, so I'm doing great. Go to News, your Muppet. It's just there, 19. Oh, yeah. You got problems with your brain. There. Oh. Wade Graham. If this ever loads. So, Clint Gutherson's the fullback. Kyle Felt, Blake Ferguson. Like Momorowski, really? Brad Parker in the centres. Cody Walker, Mitchell Moses in the halves. Vaughan, Hunt, Haas of the front row. 
Wade Graham, Tyson, Brazil, Trebojevic at lock and in the bench. They're given extended bench. Jai Arrow, Ruben Garrick, David Fafita, Reid Marnie, Nathan Brown and Tom Flegler. No offence to Ruben Garrick. I don't see him playing for Australia. Um, he did have a good season, so I understand they usually reward a couple of young guys. Marnie. Wade Graham was named captain. So. He did have a good year. I think this is a few young guys getting their first rat jersey. Uh, as a bit of a pat on the back for a good season. And I think that some of the others are genuine trialists to make the 21-man squad for the two test matches they're supposed to play. Is this counted as a test match? No, I don't think so. No. It's not. Good. But what I want to know, what's isn't the, weren't the two tests we were supposed to play against New Zealand and Tonga? And is the Tonga one's obviously on hold right now because that's not resolved? No, they're saying it's resolved now. They're well, going to play. I know they're playing New Zealand, but I know about the Tonga one. But looking at this, people that would be genuinely trying for Australia... You think Vaughan, Hunt, Haas, Graham, Frizzell like and Jake, I'd assume, would already be in. I think Arrow would be trialling, maybe for Fida. Half the names on here are not trialling for Australia. Momorowski, I felt, wouldn't get picked over a couple of guys, even though I think he's a good player. He didn't play the full season. Gutherson now, like, had a great year, but I don't think he's in the running. And Moses over Cherry Evans and a Munster and a couple of those guys, like Keary, if he's healthy. I think... Some of these guys are genuinely playing for a spot in that 21-man squad, and I think maybe half of them are being rewarded for a good season or their first rep jersey, in my own opinion. Yeah. I think it's a pretty strong side, in all honesty. The forward pack, in particular. Some of the outside back choices, like you said, may be a bit questionable, but some of the guys you would have picked otherwise are probably playing this way again. So your Kotricks and those kind of guys might have been picked in this team instead. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, a bit different than usual, because like I said, it's usually a matter of teams not playing in the final series, uh, but I think it's a pretty strong side. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they've been doing it. In years gone by, they used to have a a train-on squad, I guess, from teams that didn't make the eight, and then they would add the yeah, teams they as, as they were eliminated. So I, guess I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's traditionally been teams that don't make the eight. I think it's I was more predominantly of, been made up of them. That was the Australian squad as they get about, not, not out. the PM's 11. The PM, no, sorry, well, the tradi- traditionally, that PM's 13 then go and play out of that train-on squad. And it'd be your initial guys that usually. Well, for my thing, then it was a kangaroo trainer. Anyway, squad we're arguing about things, but I've seen it happen years and years and years. They're, they're doing it differently now. I think a lot of that would be because of the um, the CBA. I don't know whether there's something in there that they can't make them go into train on squads. I'd imagine there probably is something in there to to stop that happening. But um, well, you wouldn't have Paul. Marowski it's a bit of it. Like, is the game even going to? Is the game even going to be? Um, well, he's going to be because he's going he's to be training it's in the, the lead-up squad. It's not but there's no train-on squad, essentially. Um, anyway, is the game going to be TV? Is the game going to be I televised? I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But Is it good for the international game? I'm not sure. For the, I think it would be better if we took our strongest side over there. They're naming 21. I think it's a pretty strong side. Some of these guys, like I said, half, it's of, Australia, eh? half of these guys are genuinely contending, I think, for the 21-man squad. But there's a lot of guys you could pick straight away. Well, there's a lot, of, a lot of guys in there that didn't even play Origin. That are playing this weekend. So mm. for the Roosters, you're going to know that Cordner and Tedesco and a few of those guys are definitely going to be playing for Australia. Papali would be the first front row picked for Australia this year. Yeah, Whiten. Um, you got Whiten who might get himself picked as a centre given the centre situation out of Origin. Latrell Mitchell, I think. I think Meninga came out a few weeks ago and basically touted that he'd have no problems picking Latrell. The two that surprised me, though, is he basically said as compared to... Uh, you know, a Cameron Murray or a Haas or a David Vita that he'd stick loyal to a Maguire or a Ben Hunt rather than that. And I, I don't think Maguire had a year that really justified still being in an Australian jersey considering the locks and the depth we have in that position. But at the end of the day, 
Uh, we'll know after grand final and after this game, I guess, the 21-man squad for those two test matches. But I expect a couple of debutants. Mm. So there you go. Uh, the last point I got here, retirees. Every year around this time of year, we get to that point, grand final day. It's one of my favourite things when they get out all the retirees and you look at some of the players that are going. But the amount of experience that's moved on from the game the last two years is insane. And this year, it's another 4,000 games out the door from the NRL, which is absolutely insanity. Yeah. Some not players re- are playing longer, but aren't they? Yeah. So. Some not retiring, though. Some going to the Super League, but there's some big names. James Maloney, obviously, moving on. You've got Gareth Widop. Uh, we know that Fecky's going, Manu Mo, George Burgess, Tepo is going to rugby. There's a handful of guys. We don't know whether they're retiring yet or whether they'll get another contract. Ben Madalino, speculation that he may retire injured. Isaac Luke hasn't got a contract yet. Chris Lawrence, we don't know. Sam Tagatese, didn't play at all this year for Brisbane, but he may retire. He's played plenty of first grade. And then you look at some of the bigger names. Cooper Cronk, obviously, after this weekend, has played in a grand final basically every second season. Three-and-a-plus gamer, absolutely ridiculous. Paul Gallen um, and all his feats, three-and-a-plus gamer again, one club, Origins Australia. Robbie Farrar hitting at 300 this year. Matt Scott, one of the best front rowers of the last decade, if not the best front for in Australia. And that time, he's had an outstanding career. Michael Gordon, been to so many clubs, but seen so reliable. Um, there's just so many names. GI, obviously, retired earlier in the year. I think a lot of people forgot about that, but that was huge. Sutton on the weekend, the most capped rabbit hole of all time, 336 games. Uh, Timmy Manor, Sean Fenson, Trent Hodkinson, who won an Origin Series. Kane LG's retiring. Uh, you know, bloody Lattimore, Nathan Ross with his injury, David Gower announced before his last game on the weekend. There's just over 4,000 games. It's, it's a lot of football to go out the door. Mm. And there's some quality players in particular. A couple of those names we mentioned more in order there. You Cronk, Gallon, Farris, Scott, there's some huge names. Sutton's career very underrated and how like I remember Sutton playing when I was like fourteen mm. in high school or debuting in 03 or like some he's played for a ridiculously long time. And for that club to be the most capped player and he obviously the captain of the premiership winning drought. Um yeah, there's some great names walking away from the game. But yeah, every year there's some retirees, but I think the last two classes in particular have been massive in stature and obviously the amount of games that have walked out. Yeah. So congratulations to all those guys, whether they've played three hundred games, fifty games, hundred games. Some excellent careers there, lots of achievements, and uh, all the best, I guess, moving on to the next step of your, your lives. But there's our set of six. Before we jump in and preview the grand final, we might as well look at the games box head that led to the grand final, the preliminaries, and we do those on behalf of the Penrith Solar Centre. Got a tweet and a photo yesterday from one of our listeners, Wayne Stoneman. He's another one to jump on board with the Penrith Solar Centre box head. Got his system installed. He seemed pretty happy. Right. So, Wayno, give us some feedback, mate. I hope Jake and the crew took care of you. I'm sure they did there at Penrith Solar Centre, but let's get to that time of year. We're going to have a 37-degree Sunday out here in the west. Daylight savings kicks off on Sunday as well, Boxhead, so it's good timing. Get the system cranking and fired up for this time of year. Mm. Looking forward to it, but do yourselves a favour. Help your back pocket. Jump on board. Contact Jake and the crew there, and don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar energy experience. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the try line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call 1800 202930 or visit the site today, www.penrithsolar.com.au for more information. Boom. Canberra South, 16-10. Uh, in all honesty, I didn't think Canberra were that great in this game, but the most important thing is they won on the number one thing they've done all season and they're going to need it for the grand final, and that's effort. 
defensive scramble, backing up repeat sets, defending their line, and at the most critical point of the game when they only had 12 men, they scored a try and defended their way through that period. So the whole base of their season has been built on this complete flipping mentality and attitude towards their defense and especially their goal line defense and inside 20 and scramble effort. Um, That's what won them this game of football. Their attack was deplorable. They were clunky as all hell. I thought they were way too edge to edge. Aiden Caesar played a fairly ordinary game and he's going to need to be a lot better in the grand final. Too much had to come from Hodgson and the middles as usual. I thought him and Papali were the big reason they won that game. Jack White did his job as always. Um, but yeah, I, I think all around an attack was a poor night for the Raiders, but defence won them the game. And well, they scored a try off, off a drop defense. ball in the in goal, which could have been called grounded. Kick then contest. they call another one yeah, from a kick contest. Um, the other one is where Papala's. White drops a ball and then kicks it. And you're like, well, that could yeah. have easily been a knock-on. And then Papali just runs through a poor missed tackle from Cook. So they didn't generate a lot. They looked nervous. They played side to side. Uh, I thought Hodgson was probably the key. Uh, Cook had an off night. Hodgson had a good night. And I think that was probably the difference between winning and losing this game. When Nickel Clockstad got Sinbin, you, you swore for all money that South would just win. And they had multiple sets there where they were attacking Canberra's line, um, despite the fact that Canberra had continually players down trying to suck some energy back in. Whoever the orange shirt is for Canberra should get a pay rise because he, yeah. he pinched some time for he pinched Canberra multiple on multiple occasions, just milking and having guys go down. But uh, irrespective, South still should have scored. They had multiple sets going up against a 12-man defensive line. Campbell were just good enough to eke it out in the end, but they played very nervously. Uh, I don't think the week off suits a side like Canberra. I think they they build uh, consistency in their performance, and um, I'm not sure the week off for an inexperienced side and a side that's not consistently in finals helped them. I, I think they'll bounce into this grand final and play better than what they did last week. I, I really liked what I heard from Ricky Stewart last night, talking about... Um, fact that the pressure's all on the Roosters yeah, and we can just... Well, we'll, he's we'll right. That's bullshit. He's right. That's flipping the script. No, he's spot, he's spot You're on. You're in a grand final. You're there for a There's reason. no pressure on them. They're, yeah, they're $3.10 or whatever they are. There's no pressure on them. Just because the book Whether you like that. it or not. They're, they're, the they're not story. expected to win. Everyone's to win. buying tickets. It's their first grand um, final in 25 years. He's the prodigal son from Canberra. But there's no, uh, there's no... He's right. There's no pressure on them at all. If they lose, everyone goes, well, that's what we expected. I think Canberra fans aren't expecting to lose. Well, they're not. So but I think also there will be pressure. There's no, I don't think it's pressure at all. The one thing that does oh, worry me was there was pressure to get in last because week. that was a game they're expected to win. Now they're not expected to win. Go and have a throw at the stumps. I think they'll be more relaxed and I think it'll be better for that experience last week. Well, we're going to find out. But yeah, there's obviously definitely some things to work on an attack. The other thing, you've been death riding Canberra all year. I haven't been death riding Canberra. Yeah, I had I like Canberra them. in the top four and said they were just as much of a contender as you did. I didn't think they were as big a contender to win the competition. Thanks. But said, I thought they could make the grand no. final and they're a bona fide top four side. You wanted them to prove it. They did prove it. They beat Melbourne twice. That's right, they did. So go back and listen to the tapes, bruh. I will. Because I can remember distinctly Premiership heavy me and you going, going against it because I said they were a contender and you said they were I think you already know which way I'm tipping and I'll say it again right now. Aiden Caesar's their halfback and he needs to have a very good game this week. It's not all on him, but I think the forwards have done their job. I think Hodgson does his job. Jack definitely does his job. I think the big key factor here is Caesar needs to deliver more. He needs to be better defensively. He needs to kick better. He needs to do his job and control this game. And they need more out of their bench, which I think they're actually going to limit the minutes of, which puts more pressure on a couple of those guys that are starting that they're going to have to play more minutes against a side that's as good, if not better, 
defensively and has a better bench. And they've beaten them twice. I'm not saying they can't beat them, but this is obviously... Everyone's saying they can't beat them. That's the why game. there is no pressure. So, I, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. They, they were nervous. Papali was next but level. they won. He was absolutely outstanding. He has been all year. I think Jack did more than his job, but again, he needs to do less kicking, which is why Caesar needs to take more control. Uh, definitely in that department. Chance, as I said all year, has been absolutely outstanding, absolute bargain buy. But yeah, from an attacking point of view, again, because he's not really a ball-playing fullback or getting involved in those shapes, it does place more pressure, again, on the front line of the halves, or more so Hodgson, to generate attack. And obviously, they've got contributions from all around the park during the year with your Batemans, your Whiteheads, these guys having the ability to pass, offload, generate something as well. But um, yeah, I think, like you said, the nerves on the weekend, shifting too early when they didn't deserve to, making some errors... But the number one thing and the most important thing to see out of that game was the defensive effort. That's what won in the game. If you're South or you're a South fan, I'd be filthy. Uh, I thought the reshuffle, obviously losing Roberts and George, I don't think that was a bad thing. I think Roberts has been ordinary since he went there. The way they reshuffled their side, I thought was great. I think Campbell Graham does a good job in the centres and swapping him and Gagai to take him off the physical matchup of Leilua was a good idea. Uh, Lowe going in, Sam going in the middle. The way they did everything, I, did, I thought was outstanding. They gave a good account of themselves. Their problem was the same deal, just attack. Cook was awful. He had one of his worst nights. He was looking sideways. He wasn't playing eyes up. Anytime he chose to run, it wasn't the time to run. Anytime he wanted to ball play or finesse the ball, he's getting his arms knocked down. He was getting pressured. Thought Reynolds kicked well, but didn't do a lot with the football. And the only guy similar uh, for South that looked dangerous with the football was Cody Walker. Thought he had his best game at the right time, but. Uh, that is blew too many chances. The first play of the game when Campbell Graham didn't pass outside of the winger, try gone begging, Totola getting held up from that great tackle effort by a couple of Raiders players, the Cody Walker strip play. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things like that. And then just set after set, they had six dropouts to none. They forced pressure on Canberra. They just couldn't get, get over the line. Mm. So full credit to Canberra. The grand final is going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. And they're a legitimate chance. They're as big a chance as anyone because they made it to the grand final. Defensively, this is going to be an excellent matchup. Both sides defensively are outstanding. Uh, moving on from that game, though. Oh, also, yeah, a couple I forgot to mention. I think Adam Dewey during the final series and probably the past seven or eight weeks has been outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Liam Knight's great this year to Tola. There is some positives there, but is there much they can change next year, South, or who they're bringing in? I don't think there's a lot of roster change. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason or moving forward. Because there obviously needs to be a bit of improvement. Yeah. To they they to overachieved to be top four. Mm. Uh, the second game, Roosters Melbourne, as we spoke about, 14 6. From the first tackle, the tone was set. These two didn't like each other. They got stuck in. Nelson Asafa Solomon, CSC Watokio, getting put in the bin. I know a lot of people are blowing up about it or complain, but the rules are the rules. It's been consistent all up the last few weeks. He struck him with an open hand. And Tokio looked like he went into a boxer stance and chest punched him or did some kind of strange combo. But, um, yeah, first half, Melbourne obviously not overly dangerous. Very basic coming out of yardage. I thought the Roosters did a better job than Melbourne in the ruck, obviously. Really took away any play-the-ball speed or momentum they got, and they were allowed to do so. Melbourne, any time they shifted, obviously, Roosters just slid off, got up, cut him down. The only player who honestly looked dangerous the whole first half was Pappenhausen. And Nelson, when he was on the field, was making damage, but... 8-0 at halftime, I kind of felt more so like you did, that the Roosters, for all the possession, territory and control they had, didn't bank enough points. The question was, could Melbourne score points? That was the real big issue. They couldn't. Second half, they got their opportunity early. They scored with Nelson again, where they isolated off a quick play of the ball. Cooper Cronk and crashed over, but 
yeah, there, there was a period there where I was just on the edge of my seat and I really, really enjoyed this game. Um, there was a couple of opportunities back and forth. You had Manu grab that ball out of the air and Tedesco clearly knocked it on. Commentators carried on that they couldn't see hand. thought that was pretty bloody obvious on the replay. Hughes put up that corker of a torpedo bomb that was let bounce. Kenny got held up. Then Cord almost crashed over Hughes. He held him up like it was just back and forth and you're waiting for somebody to break at 8-6. And then one of the easiest mistakes you could possibly make, Justin Olam, who was outstanding all night, slips over. Crichton goes through, and after all the players scramble to push on Cronk off that play, Tedesco just runs down a short side, scores, and when Latrell converts that to make it a two-score game, you kind of felt that that was the, the death blow for Melbourne. Storm had their chances, but they couldn't pervert. Their good ball attack was atrocious, and that was the difference in the game. When Roosters had their chances, they nailed them, and Storm, I think, probably had more chances, but couldn't nail them. Mm. And I think the few times they made line breaks or got through, Hughes slipped through, Pappenhausen a couple of times. There no one there. There was no support. There wasn't a whole lot of push on the play, so that was disappointing. Um, but, yeah, Roosters... I Roosters think. live, their defence, they look like they've got 15 players on the field. They're outstanding. But oh, part of me thinks that that was because of how poorly Melbourne attacked. They just went side to side. I thought the big turn in the game was when Pappenhausen kicked the ball dead. They were yeah, starting to, to um, put a bit of fatigue into them and they got a couple of repeat sets there and then he kicked the ball dead and they went down and um, that's when Tedesco scored. So that just the game really, really flipped. I felt like Melbourne were on top until that point in time. Mm. Uh, and they, I thought they were a good chance of cracking them. The more fatigue that they got in the Roosters' legs and the more repeat sets they got, the, the better that even their poor attack was going to crack them just through... Uh, fatigue. So, but yeah, he kicked the ball dead. But he's that he's that type of player, that impulsive type of player. So he can't. Yeah, you got to take the well, good Billy, bad Billy had a bit of that in, didn't he? We've yeah, seen Billy he, get things. He learnt through experience, and that's that's a hard experience. And then he goes down and gets half his face caved in. Um, so he, he had a tough night, Pappenhausen. But I he watching well. live, um, watching Tedesco, you, you know, anyone that's seen James Tedesco live, you think far out. He's quick. Pappenhausen is quicker than Tedesco. Live like he is, he is ridiculously quick. Um, so he's he's one to watch. Pappenhaus, I think he's really going to develop into a good player, and he's certainly in the right place to do that. Well, I don't think you could make a stronger comment or a comparison to the bloke that he replaced. I think he's the closest thing we're going to get to Billy Slater. He is on the ball. He's around the ball. He's busy. The amount of work he gets through. The thing that's impressed me more than anything is the physicality or him willing to throw his body in. Like he's put some weight on, obviously, but. He's still very slight. Yeah, he got, he he got has, belted around a little bit on kick return. He's got zero regard for his body. Yeah, he's going to grow. So I'm really, really happy with what we've unearthed there in Pappenhausen. But yeah. I'm, as a fan, still very, very happy with the season overall. That also probably speaks to why they let Drinkwater go. Yeah, well... A lot of people raise their eyebrows at that. He but, tore his pet, so... Yeah, that aside... People you, sort of went, oh, well, drink water. He was supposed to be the one. And then you're like, well, this is why they let him go. Like, I think people are also forgetting Hughes was outstanding at fullback when he was there. Like that, This is the thing. Hughes is a quality footballer, clearly. Hmm. Well, I don't think we can understate that. At the start of the year when he was at one, I thought he was our best player. It just so happens we've got an even better, probably a, yeah, great. on effort, toughness, and what he delivered for us. He was a top five, top four fullback for the first half of the year, in my opinion, Jerome Hughes. The fact that Pappenhaus has come in as a different style of player has done an even better job, in my opinion. Is a scary thought. Mm. And we had Nico Hines play a game this year. They had multiple fullbacks come in and do a job that looked great. So clearly they've got an embarrassment of riches in that position, but Pappenhausen's the way forward. Uh, I still thought it was a great season considering 
the players that have moved on the last couple of years, the players they've unearthed. They reshuffled their edges. You've got Will Chambers, Scott, who was supposed to be part of a year that wasn't there, that unearthed Olam. Welch was going outstanding, played Origin, done his ACL. I think Nelson took a step forward. Brandon Smith took another step forward. Um, manufactured I mean, halves or good, not. Good regular season, disappointing. Well, they still made a prelim final. Yeah, with manufactured half and some I think they, so. they'd be really, really disappointed losing to Canberra at home because uh, that would have given them the week off and had that home semi. So it was always going to be tough once they moved over to the Roosters' side of the draw, wasn't it? Well, last year I thought they had to win week one to have any chance, and when they made the grand final, I thought they overachieved. So, again, to get to the point they did this year, I think that's about right, considering I know the regular not season as minor good, but... You're not happy as minor premiers to lose a prelim. Anyway. There you go. Uh, for the Roosters, Tedesco had a good game. Manu was good again. Some of his offloads and plays were good. Boyd Cordner was exceptional. And Tupo. Tupo this year still hasn't got anywhere near enough credit for how well he's played. Some of his pickups, clean-up work at the back, set starts. Well, who's been the best springer in the game? Jumping over chain. Oh, well, again, I know a lot of people love Michael Sebo, and I do too, but if you want to go week to week... I'm talking best springer in the game. I don't give a shit about the who scores the most tries. I think Tupo's probably been I the best springer in the game. The other one right behind, who I said this year, again, didn't get enough credit, was Marmola. Marmolo was yeah. averaging almost as many post-contact metres as some blokes would run in a game. Well, I'm telling you right now, Tupo, I... I I can't believe that anyone would not have Tupo as their best winger. Try scoring, yardage, and I've, I've been a work. big critic of last Tupo. year. That we were talking about not re-signing the way he was playing. Mm. This year he's. I think he's been the best winger in the game. Well, it's been lit under his ass, hasn't it? They brought Brett Morris over. Icavali played a handful of games. They brought Ryan Hall over. So I think the pressure was there at the start of the season to get back to the form that saw him play Origin and break into grade in the first place. And he's more than met that challenge. He's been exceptional this season. He has he not. Really has. He has never played better in no. his career. And for Melbourne, thought the best players... And he's played Origin. Yeah. The best players were Pappenhausen. Nelson's time on the field was good. And I thought Brandon Smith, as always, when he came off the bench, made a real impact. But um, the reshuffle kind of hurt. And again, I think losing Welch during the year definitely hurt the losing bench. Losing when they did and had to push him out. That Dale hurt. went out there. But I mean, the bench early in the year when they had Welch there and he was playing a lot better than what he has in previous and made Origin, if he would have pushed into the finals with him... Brandon Smith and be able to roll Nelson on that and be a little more reliable, I would have felt a bit more comfortable. But, mm. yeah, obviously a seven is the big absent part. But uh, there you go. There's those two games, which leads to our grand final. Before we do that heavy preview, Brock, just a look at some of those lower grades we talked about last week. NRLW, St. George won that game to book themselves and guarantee that spot. The Roosters eliminated and the Warriors, even though they rolled the Broncos, their year is over. So the Broncos looking to go back-to-back. This weekend against a very, very talented St. George side. I think the Dragons beat them. I like the Dragons as well. I thought the first week when they played them, they only have a couple of games, could have obviously. Won that game. It's a short preseason. They don't get a lot of time to form those combinations. But Sergis in the back line, Tiana, Penatani, they're back five. Their set starts. The fact they got Braley and Federica from the Broncos to come down and join in with Studden at halfback, Keziaps, etc. Um, well, I had a bet last week. They can get the job done, I think. Four bucks I've got. Mm. Now they're into what? 220 to win this week? Yeah, it'd be 220, I think, head to head. Brisbane, obviously, you've got Baker, Brigginshaw, Rona Peters. They've got some people there that were there last year Amber Pilly, etc. Julia Robinson. They've got some veterans, Steph Hancock, and some new blood there. But yeah, this Dragon side, if you've been fair income. Uh, I like them. I know they're If they pull it together, I think, they're, I think they're more talented. I just think that Brisbane played more football together. A lot of those girls, so but I'm with you. Brisbane are older, a bit slower. If Dragons hold the ball, I reckon they'll run yeah. all over them. So I like the Dragons just like you do in that one. Uh, in the New South Wales under 20s competition, Souths. Well, yeah, they heartbreaker, comp. heartbreaker for 16 uh, 14. Goal kicking, yeah, goal kicking hurt. 
the Canberra Raiders. So they couldn't get the double done there. Could have potentially won the under-20s grand final. And obviously got their first grade side. And Mounties did okay again this year. But I think the best sign, again, when you're doing well and then your under-20s are doing well, it's a good sign that you've got kids pushing through. Mm. And that's definitely a case for them. Two of the guys I said last week already played New South Wales Cup. Matt Tomoko, Harley Shields, and I think they're in key positions because if they're going to have to move money out in Jordan Rapana and Leilua, as is reported, you've already seen Bailey Simonson. We've seen Kotrick can play centres, and then you've got another two kids pushing through in a position of need. Um, and then Manesi Kaho, who played on the wing, played SG Ball this year, finished up in the 20s grand final. Good signs for the Canberra Raiders in that regard. South, same deal. Uh, good season. Cup season was pretty good. They got some... Decent players running around there, but if you're making grand finals in the lower grades, 18s, 20s, then you're looking and hoping that you've got a couple of kids pushing through. Mm. So, New South Wales Cup, absolute outstanding game, this one. I uh, usually would have called this one, but I was crook on the weekend. But the Jets, 20 over the Wenty Magpies, 15, 7th v 8th. What a game. Belter. Will Kennedy, who I've had a rap on since before the season kicked off, and I thought he might have got more opportunity to play at fullback when Moylan was out. He was man of the match. He was outstanding. But they've got some great young kids. The young halves, Trindle, who won the 20s player of the year last year. Jack Williams, who's going to be in their top squad next year. Magulius, he's got a future. He plays bloody anywhere on the field. He's highly likely to get a run, maybe, at playing as a lock or being their next lock, Gallon. Um, but what an absolute ripper game of football this was. A much more experienced veteran side in Wente with your Gowers, your Moroas. Uh, Tim Manor played, etc. Josh Hoffman, but... The extra time, the whole game in general, it was a corker. Mm. It really was. So, Jets, good win. I think they'll belt. You reckon they'll dish Burley? Yeah. I haven't really I'm seen I'm just not sure the Q Cup. Like, I watched both games back-to-back, watching uh, the New South Wales and then – sorry, I watched Queensland and then watched New South Wales. And I just think there's a, still a little bit of a gap there. But it depends how long well, Newtown Bur- spend on the piss. and The Burley side – the other year, come down, played the Steelers, and I think they had a big week, and they got romped by 50. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know whether you can draw a line through previous results. I think no, I'm just saying. The consistency of how often the New South Wales side wins, I don't think is a mistake. No, I think Burley um, this time, definitely, though, I don't think they'll be partying as hard this week after the embarrassment they got last time. Their side hasn't changed a whole lot from the side that won it two years ago. Uh, Jamal Fogarty, who well, got it. But a, there are a lot of guys who can't get a run for the Titans there. Well, that's the thing. They got two dropped back down. I think Anthony Don ended up back in the Don, side yeah, and somebody else. Jamal Fogarty ended up winning player of the year over Harry Grant, the halfback. He was mm. good in the grand final. Sammy Salima played some first grade. Luke Page played that one game at the Dragons. Uh, I'll, be having, I'll be putting my money on Newtown. What price in Newtown? Newtown with a favourite of $1.50. Okay. So I like Newtown as well. But Burley, as you said, they overcome winning Manly, 28-10. to 10. So they had a couple of Brisbane players in their side. Well, I'm going to multi them up. Dragons into Newtown. Burley. Burley's more a veteran group of players that aren't involved or affiliated with NRL clubs anymore. They had two come back from the Titans. But the core group of that side are all full-time Queensland Cup players. Like I said, Fogarty, those kind of guys. They won quite easily, 28-10. Uh, their under-20s, unfortunately, also lost up in the equivalent up there. They lost to... Sunshine Coast Falcons, yeah, the Melbourne Coast. feeder. They got up 34-28. So hopefully there's a few kids there contracted to Melbourne, I'm hoping, because they're affiliated with that system. There's another good hooker there, apparently, Tyson Smoothie. I think he might have been involved with the Broncos somehow, but I tried to look up today if he's actually contracted anywhere. I couldn't find anything. Mm. But if there's one thing we certainly don't need, it's an extra nine, but I tell you what, we'll take it. It's better to have more coming through your pipeline than not at all. Mm. Uh, so good result there. And the Australian schoolboys versus the New Zealand. Oh, did you watch that game? Did you send it? I did. I thought it was rubbish. I was impressed by a few of the Aussie boys. 
Bulldogs fans, I think you got uh, one to look forward to. And Jackson Tapine, he was the captain of that side. Played we the signed until 2022 or something like I also really, really like uh, young Walker. He looked really good. Very slight, but always challenging the ruck, always hanging around those middles and pushing on the football. The one I didn't know about, and I was quite happy, the back row who's contracted to Melbourne, Jack Howarth, who got man of the match. He was only 16. He was a monster. Mm. He looked like a hell of a player. There was a big front row for New Zealand off that kickoff run that I thoroughly enjoyed. It was like watching Lafitte or Palacina back in the day. Mm. But, yeah. And I think the only other two competitions, Ron Massey, uh, Wenty, have won that for the third year in a row. Beat some areas two years in a row. So there's a lot of guys there that have previously played first grade or 20s for Parramatta that have stuck together, got a core group, they got a very good side. And in the Sydney Shield, the right Eastwood Hawks beat Cabramatta. And I think they may have some affiliation with the Tigers 20s or some kind of setup there. I don't know. I think some players go there and some players go to East Campbelltown. But, um, yeah, that's all the lower grade competitions. But some of those games, as we said, we look forward to this weekend. We obviously have the NRLW, Dragons versus Broncos. And then the two state champions, we have the Jets, the feeder for the Sharks, up against Burley, who fed the Titans. But, yeah, I think there's only two actual affiliated players with the Titans. All the rest of them are purely Burley-signed players. So they're down here for the second time in three years to go head-to-head. But we've reached that time of the night, Boxhead. We are going to do our in-depth preview of the NRL Grand Final between the Sydney Roosters and the Canberra Raiders. Look at the strengths, weaknesses, the lineups for sides, what we think uh, both sides need to do or what they're going to be able to do well and not do well, what they need to look out for, and then our best bets. And Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With that being said, last week you went one from two, so did Gossip. I picked both games, so me and you were deadlocked for the grand final. 122 apiece. There you go, mate. So if we tip opposite, that'll decide it. And if we tip the same team, we're going to probably go off the score, I think. Does that sound fair? Not really, but anyway. How so? Well, you shouldn't go off a score in a tipping comp. It should just be tied. Because we haven't gone off scores in any no, other game. You can do that if you want, or if you want to come up with a winner, or we can do it another way. No, I'll just I'll pick the opposite of what you you do. I'm, I'll go Canberra. Oh. We'll I know you're going to pick the Roosters. Best bets. Because you hate Canberra. I don't hate Canberra. You do, mate. Best bets. We went one from two each. So you had Storm 1-12. to 12. Obviously, that one didn't come off. But you had the Raiders 1-12 to 12 at 290. Uh, I went Raiders to win into Leilua scoring, which obviously he didn't end up scoring a meat pie. And I had Roosters 1-12. to 12. Mm. So one each there. Because you hate your own team. You, can't, you can't pick against your own team. Mate, when it comes to tipping a bet, and I can do what I want. I bet on the Roosters 1-12 to 12 with poor. my own money. That's poor. No. I would comes. never do that. Ever. If my I was team you, was in a preliminary if I was you, final. I'd tip against the Titans every single week. Titans stick. Not in a preliminary final when my team's good. If you think they're going to lose, Poor. you tip against them. Plain and simple. But here we are. Grand final box head. Raiders, Roosters. Look at the lineups for both teams uh, in that regard. I think on paper, you've got the teams as strong as they could possibly be. Well, who is missing? No one. Uh, if I could find the bloody team list again, that'd be handy. 
Yeah, not having a good night with the, with the computer, mate, mate. The NRL website's loaded up. That's grand final crap. week, and you've 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 bought your you haven't bought your best game, mate. Well, for the Roosters, no surprise. Tedesco at fullback, the wings Tupo and Morris, the centers Latrell, Mitchell, Joseph, Manu, Kiri, Cronk, the halves. Rhea Hargroves returns. They've got Verrills named at nine for now. Liu, the other starting front rower. Cordner, Orbis, and Radley, and then the bench, which I think is stacked. Angus Crichton, Zane Tedavano, Nat Butcher, and CSC White Top. Right. So the only player there that wouldn't would be in would be your nine. Friend. His friend. Yeah. So he's in the twenty. Hall, Hutchison, Lindsay Collins, Ryan no, those guys playing. So if they go two hookers, who do you drop from the bench? That's the big question. Who? Nat Butcher. I'd keep Nat Butcher. I'd drop Tedavano. Nat Butcher he doesn't he doesn't play a lot of minutes. I think he does. I I'd prefer him over Tedavano. Anyway, and then we'll on the flip side for the Canberra Raiders, we'll Nickel Clogstad, Kotrick, and Rapana the wings, Croker and Leilua the centers, Whiten and Caesar the Haas, Papali and Sia Soliola, front row of Josh Hodgson, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, the back row with Joe Topine on the bench, Bailey Simonson, Emre Gula, Corey Horsberg, and Dunamis Louie on the extended bench again. You don't see them playing Sebastian Chris, Saliva Harvili, or Sam Williams. Ryan Sutton, I think, is a possibility to come into the side for Gula. Um, but one of my concerns, and we'll talk about this as we get in, I look at the bench and the way they used it last week, I think they're going to try and limit the minutes and how they use their bench because I don't think they're going to rely on those guys. And I think for the Roosters, you've got the opposite thing where they can put their bench on and things go up a notch. So that'll be an interesting point. But last week, Simonson obviously only got on for 15 minutes. Gula played 20 and Louis played 20. Horsberg's probably the most reliable one off the bench. He played a half of football. Mm. So I think they'll rotate more between, uh, you know, their own middles and try and keep Topine and Papali fresh and get them on the field. In particular, Papali played massive minutes last week, but you'd expect him in this game to try and churn out as much as he can, depending on the way the game goes. But, yeah, you look on the flip side of it last week for the Roosters, Crichton played 50 off the bench, Tedavano only 25, Collins only got 10, Nat Butcher got 40 minutes. So, again, I think he's more likely to hold that spot over Tedavano. He can play on an edge, can play as a middle, good footwork. Um, looking at the key areas for this game, Brock, what do you see? What do you like for the Raiders? I look at the Raiders as far as both sides of the ball attack. I think they're okay. I think they, again, rely a little bit too much on their dummy half and their forwards to chip in and generate second phase and some offloads. But defensively, they're excellent. Um, well, they're ranked fourth in attack and third in defence. Roosters are ranked second in both categories. But the Raiders have the number one ranked goal line defence. And after watching the Roosters, I'd have them right up next to them. So I think you've probably got the first and the second, um, well, to me, in terms of an eye test, first and second best goal line defensive teams in the competition. And that that is no surprise that they meet now here in the grand final. In terms of a, you know, a, a consistent year and body of work, I think you've got to give the edge to the Roosters. Uh for the back end of the season, I think they're probably neck and neck in terms of what they've produced um, and who they've beaten and how convincingly they've done it. The Raiders have probably got more notable wins, like the two big wins in Melbourne um, are notable. The Roosters on the weekend winning without Warrior Hargreaves isn't, uh, it says a lot, particularly when they completed so poorly. They made a lot of errors in that game and still managed to win. Um, yeah, the, the Raiders attack, they're going to throw different things at the Roosters to what Melbourne did, and I think that's that's got to be of some concern if the Roosters give Canberra as much possession as what they gave Melbourne. If they don't, 
and if they complete high, I, I really struggle to see anyone beating the Roosters. Can Canberra's defence force the Roosters and be aggressive and force the Roosters, particularly their outside backs, into, into some errors? I think they can. But that then brings in a little bit of ill-discipline, being offside, high tackles, shoulder charges. Because you know Canberra, Canberra have got some players there who can get loose and give away penalties. And if they do that and they piggyback the Roosters down the field, it could be a long night. It could turn into a 30-point 30, 30 drubbing. So there's a, there's a real fine line here for Canberra. I think they've got to be super aggressive I think they've got to try and get the Roosters off their game. I think they've got to try and jump the Roosters. I think they've got to try and drag the Roosters down. Uh, but in doing that, they need to make sure that they maintain their discipline and they're not piggybacking the Roosters down the field and not getting the shit penalised out of them. So that's a very fine line. And we know, and, and we've we've made comment number number of times, watching Canberra, the amount of players that blow up at the ref and they want to whinge and they mm. want to argue they want and they to want to get off their game. Point and like, play the ball. This has got to be that one game where Just they get that right. Football. Well, they've got to get that right mm. and not worry about any of the extracurricular shit. Yeah. Play it's the, got to play be the ball, footy. fight for it. And just get up and um, play the ball and do what you need to do. So I think there is a path there. I, I can see I can see a game where Canberra win. Uh, but the majority of my mind says that the Roosters will probably complete it around 85, 80 to 85%. And if they do that, Canberra are going to have to do probably better. They're probably going to have to complete it 90, 95%. I'm not sure Canberra got the side or the style to do that. So that that, that concerns me. The majority of my mind sort of says, like, the Roosters just win this game, and I think a lot of people are thinking along that line as well. There are a few little things. Goal-kicking concerns me for Canberra. Jared Croker missed two on the weekend that I thought he should have thrown over. And at the back end of that game when, um, you know, they're up by four and they're nervous, they should have been up by eight. Well, if you get a free two points in the grand final, you've got got to take it. You've got to kick it. So that concerns me a little bit. Whereas, you know, when Latrell Mitchell lines that kick up to go up by eight, he doesn't give a fuck, man. I think pressure brings the best out in Latrell Mitchell. I think pressure, the history of, of Jared Croker and pressure kicks isn't good. Well, he hasn't kicked well in this final series. Um, I... I really, really, really think... Like, the two games they've played this year, and I went back and watched uh, both games today on, you know, Fox IQ or whatever, went back. Well, I don't think watched the first game was a true reflection of the it score. It wasn't. They got injuries they and got they finished jumped. the game short. They got jumped, and that game was over. The Roosters it was 24 blasted nil. them. 24-0. I think it ended up 30-22 to 22 or 30-24. to 24. That, that game was... Um, it's not a true reflection. It was a beatdown for the first 40 minutes. So throw that one out the window, and I think it was too early in the year anyway. The last game... Um, that was on City to Surf Day, and that's where I said to you, I think that could be the grand final we've just seen. Um, I had the beer goggles on watching this one, or semi beer goggles, but from memory, the Roosters jumped to an early lead in this game as well, and the Raiders pegged them back. Uh, the Raiders had a chance to win at the back end of the game, but couldn't really execute, and the Roosters' goal on defence really saved them. And their attack again, they were flustered um, with their attack, they couldn't come up with a net. Yeah, so look, I see a similar game. Like 22 18, I've written down here in my notes just preparing for the pod, I think 18's the number. I, I believe if, if Canberra can keep the Roosters to 18 or below, they can win. Well, I was going to say... As soon as the Roosters get to 19 points, I think it's game over. I think if the Raiders let them score three times, they're done. If they can limit them to two tries and get two themselves and it comes down to goal kicking or a field goal or being an ugly game like you're talking about, I'm with you. But if the Roosters can score three times... So you think 18 will be enough for the Roosters? I think three three tries. If the Roosters can score three See, times, they win. I think I think four. They're going to need four. 
Well, I look at it this way, and similar to the things that you've got. When I've got my Raiders notes here, probably the best part of their game and one of the biggest things they rely on, but I also think it's something the Roosters eat up is their set starts. They're very strong on set starts. They get the big outside backs that come in. You lay Lewis, your Aparnas, Kotrick. They like to bounce off tackles, get upfield, generate ruck speed. But at the same time with them doing that, they generally like to crowd around the middle of the field. They could press up. The Roosters on set starts and trying to kill set ends uh, I think the best in the competition at kicking downfield, placing pressure, line speed and cornering a team. So I think they'll do a really good job if they're compressed coming out of yardage at teeing off on those guys, even though physically they're very hard to put down. So I think Canberra out of yardage is not going to be as easy just to take those one-out power carries. I think at times they're going to have to set up shape earlier, maybe try and shift and let the Roosters know that they're not just going to try and come one-out power style all day. With that, obviously, their power game, that brings their forwards into the game earlier. That obviously gets their halves into the game. It gets Jack playing straight and getting forward. And I think on the back of that, if their forwards get forward and Jack gets space to run and do that simple part of his game, he looks threatening down his side of the field. Caesar, of all people, though, is the big one for me. He must turn up on the weekend. If Caesar is not involved in this game, in particular the fifth tackle options and defensively, which are the two things that worry me, and they worried me again on the weekend when he got backpedaled and pushed over a couple of times and just seemed absent. I'll say this. I think there was a clear tactic to kick down Whiten's side against the South, uh, South Sydney. I don't think it was as much about Caesar not kicking. I think there was a tactic to kick to that side of the field. Anyway, keep going. Well, I still I, think he needs to be involved in the game. I expect, I expect him to do a lot more kicking this week. Yeah. Well, he needs to. He has to turn up. And defensively on his edge, I think that's an area that can be a bit of a weakness. But fifth tackle, he needs to have control. He has to kick well, repeats pressure, Fine ground. It's basically picky poison at the back. If you kick the Tupo, you get a strong carry. If you tick the Tedesco, you get a strong carry. Morris is deceivingly strong and gets a quick play of the ball anyway. So there's not really a good place to kick. But if I was going to be ramping up on anyone, I'd be bombing well, I Morris. I think there's a good, a good place to kick. Mm. You want to pin them in a corner inside 20. Mm. As far as their forward pack's concerned. Whiten, to me, the concerning thing about Whiten was he was kicking flat, low and hard. That, that just well, opened yourself up, A, for a quick pickup. B, seven tackle sets. sets. They're the two things you don't want. I I would be doing the old Mitchell Pierces down into the corner, jamming them into an edge. Yeah, but Whiten shouldn't be doing those kicks. Whiten is the longest. If Whiten's going to play, you've got to have two guys who's going to be able to do it. He needs to do something. He doesn't do enough. It's time to earn a paycheck. He stole a paycheck for three years. Is there ever a game that I think it was a tactic because they knew that. South were going to go after Caesar, so they thought we'll give Whiten some kicking and mix well, it around. I think Hodgson's the most Hodgson's important chip kicker in as well, but because I'm he's saying, Caesar he can has get to kick more than, Ho- than Whiten, plain and simple. He has to kick more than Whiten. He's going to have to do. He's going to have to take probably ten kicks during the game. He Fifteen kicks. Yeah, he's built a career mostly off his kicking game, and then use Hodgson and Whiten as your secondary kickers. I agree with that. Mm. Therefore, but pack. I just think you've got to pin him in the corners, the Roosters. Pin him in and just make him keep coming out and coming out and coming out and coming out. Their forward pack's clearly the other point of difference. Them and Hodgson have been the big key for everything this year. Your Batemans, your Whiteheads, the fact that they've got the ability to offload, pass the football, get between defenders, make it ugly. They've got a big dynamic forward pack that can play in minutes. Papali's built like a baby rhino or a mini bar fridge with legs. He gets three in, he backs into tackles, he offloads. Topine's big, strong footwork. Uh, the minutes probably haven't been as good because he's been injured this year, but their forward pack needs to challenge the Roosters pack, and in particular, they need to go after Jared Rhea Hargraves because that's the heartbeat of that side. If friend plays, I just run at him all day. I test that arm out. I test mm. that forearm. Well, they will. That's a no-brainer. Just rain it down on him. But on, in saying that... Um, well, Rhea Hargraves isn't going to have played in three weeks either, so... Yeah, but Jared's proved he can play 80 minutes, so I'm not worried about Jared's I understand tank. that, but he's still not getting 80 through. minutes out of some of those other guys is my whole point, but... 
Hodgson, he runs that game if the forwards and their set starts are good. Nickel Cogstad, again, it's super important of all days. He's good on his kick returns, but he needs to be around the football pushing up to be busy as all hell because as far as the ball playing and what he generates there, I think that's something they lack. Um, they need a lay partner night too. They need those two to be damaging, yeah. breaking tackles, rolling them out of, um, out of yardage, getting some penalties. That'd be nice. Well, they're on the edge of the field where they're going at Luke Keery, so that's clearly a target spot for them. That was my next point. In good ball and any of their shift plays, the strong side of the field is that edge. I think on the other side of the field, Croker versus Manu, Kronk Orbison or Whiten, who usually bullies the halves he runs at, we've seen that Cooper Kronk defends himself perfectly fine. I think Orbison can hold his own, Manu, etc. So I think Whiten's still going to have a strong running game and an effect down that edge of the field, is as is Elliot Whitehead. But I think that edge is well-equipped to deal with Croker, Kotrick, Whitehead, etc. The place they're going to find love is the other side. And again, that comes down to Caesar. He needs to do more on that side of the field to get football to Bateman, to Joseph Lailua and to Rapana, and in particular, try and go after Luke Keery. You need to place pressure inside, outside of him and make Cordner and Latrell Mitchell make decisions. And we've seen that Latrell can come in and get nervous and turn out and leave Tupo on his Pat Malone. And we've seen Cordner have to make legs pressure tackles and generate quick play of the balls, which Canberra can get an advantage of if they play down that edge. But that, again... Yeah, but the play before that, they need a quick play of the ball yeah. as well. Play with a bit of tempo. I have no doubt Jack will just play direct and straight as always. Hodgson will probe, short to long shapes, shifts, dropping players back under. He's the key man inside 20 for them. But the big edge or their biggest attacking weapon, I agree with you, is going to be going to that edge. That's their strike edge. They need the absolute mm. maximum out of that. There's a couple of other little things like Hodgson. He's got 13 one-on-one strips. That's going to be yeah, the stripping a game play as well. Something that the Roosters have to be aware of. Um, but scoreboard pressure. Canberra needs scoreboard pressure. Mm. If Roosters are able to dictate terms, play from in front, Canberra in big trouble. Yeah. Big trouble. I had here. I, w- w- tell me a game where the Roosters have been down by 12 this year. I can't think of one. Majority of games, they've, if they've lost, they've lost close. They haven't really been rattled away. So I would make it a point of, you know, if the Roosters really start try to start fast, you've got to be able to withstand it and try and jump away to some sort of a lead. But mm. just not allow the game to get away from you early. You want to just want to be in the game after 20, and that would be a victory for Canberra. Or if they can be have any points on the board or have any sort of lead at the 20-minute mark, it would be a huge advantage. Yeah, and I've got what you had. Obviously, goal kicking is massive. Craig yeah. has to kick well. Kick pressure is also huge. But there's, there's nights there where Latrell hasn't had a good night either. Like I, well, Latrell's, this year he's I think kicked Latrell's, at 80% bar yeah, one night the other night. So he's, he's kicked, kicked well, well this year. He's kicked very well. I um, think his strike at one point there was he kicked 20-something in a row. Yeah. Oh, I, and that's what that was my point before. I, I think mean, with the I pressure, think I think the pressure. The worst year I think he's ever had. Uh, with pressure, Latrell kicks better. Hmm. And the big, Latrell probably misses goals when he goes. I don't really need to kick this. He's kick, a little bit like Smith. Kick pressure for them is huge because unlike their kicking game, where obviously Hodgson's going to poke his nose out, and White might chip in here or there. Caesar's the one who has to deliver. On the other side, they have to kick pressure to death, Cooper Cronk. Put him on the ground every time. Put Kiri on the ground every time. Because the kicking game, I have no doubt, will be better mm. from the Roosters well, side. Well, Melbourne did that on the weekend, like watching it live. You, you wouldn't have it. seen that on camera. No. There were times there where Cronk had kicked and was looking off off the kick, and the camera would have been off him, and they've gone and knocked him over. Mm. And the last and most important point I have, but everything we have there and for Raiders to be in the game, is what they've based their whole season on, which is the whole flip and their attitude. It's their defensive intent. It's their effort. It's their aggression, like you're saying. Getting off the line, killing those rucks, making it ugly, stealing time, cutting down the time and space for the edges. Because the thing for the Roosters is there's no way to stop them, whether it's through the middle of the field, Tedesco will pop up there, Verrills or Friend, whoever plays. 
Their middles can offload. I think they've got the most skillful forward pack in the competition. They're the best forward pack, I think, at offloading, chain passing, tip-ons. Mm-hmm. If you block the left edge and pressure that side of the field, Joseph Manu's sitting on the right-hand side of the field. He's just as dangerous. Tedesco plays all over the field. They're both their halves. Their defensive effort this weekend for the Raiders is going to be the yeah, best. It's going to be there. And that's the biggest thing for them because they've done such a great job Think this about year. the Hodgson tackle. Their inside 20 effort and On their Cody scramble Walker. efforts have been the best part of their yeah. game this whole season. Saving tries is good at scoring them. I, yeah, probably the only other thing to talk about is the referees. Cummins and Sutton, they love to award penalties. Simple, stay out of the game. They Hope. love to award penalties. I, I think there's going to be 10-plus awarded in the game. I'd like to... I'd like yeah. there to be a world where there's going to be know. less than 10. I think there will definitely be 10-plus. Cummins loves to blow the pee out of it. Sutton blew the pee out of it in the first half uh, in the Roosters' uh, storm game. I think the Roosters, they're going to get the rub because they're favourites. They're expected to no, win. I don't agree with that. Well, naturally, it's they're going to be a they, they got the rub. Crowd. They got the rub on, uh, on Saturday yeah, night. Against Melbourne in Sydney at the SCG. Yeah, this I, is going to be, be a 70-30 um, split of Raiders fans. I don't, I don't think the fans, fans will matter because we've seen plenty of games at ANZ where New South Wales have had this shit penalised out of them and it's been a pro-New South Wales crowd. But um, I think the Raiders are going to have to be good. They're going to have to be clean. Uh, and again, they've got some players there that are prone to ill discipline, just those little brain snaps that are going to cost you field position. And if you give the Roosters field position, it could be 10 minutes before you get it back. Well, I'm also looking at what I said before. The bench concerns me because I'm looking at it. Papali's obviously going to churn out big minutes. Do we know how many he played last week? 60-odd, I think. you got him. you got Hodgson will play a full game. Tapine's barely been playing half a game. So Horsberg's generally been sharing half and half with him, so they're generally playing 40 apiece. But I'm looking at the other one. Simonson's not going to play unless Leilu is injured or they get desperate late in the game they need to throw someone on. So basically right there, he's the only there. played 70 minutes. Well, there you go. And you've got Gula, who I don't even know if they're going to carry. I think they might look at Sutton. I think this week it's well, basically... Well, Gula played 20, Horsberg 40, Louis 26, and Simonson 15. So I think there's going to be multiple rotations, I think, for Papali, Soliola... And Korsberg and Tapine might do that half-half swap. But I think realistically... Tapine only played, yeah, 37 The minutes. only guy they're relying on for big minutes off their bench is Horsberg. They, they need more out of the Tapine than that. They do. 37. That's my whole point. But he's had so many injury problems this year. He's been on and off the field. So he's underdone. There's pressure when you look at the bench. Gula's not going to contribute huge minutes. Louis last week first carry in a final dropped the football. And Simonson's insurance. The only guy who really brings much off the bench and going to give you anything decent minutes offloads your impact is Horsberg. The flip side, now that I go to the Roosters and we talk about them, I look at their bench. Angus Crichton can come on last week, makes a couple of line breaks, breaks the game open. Zane Tedavano's played for New Zealand. Nat Butcher plays middle, edge, footwork, offload, ability to break tackles. And Tokiaho, before he got injured mid-season, was the best front row in the competition in form. Yeah, their bench is a game breaker. Not now. I know, but he's still a lot better than some of the guys Canberra got on their bench. So their bench lifts things, if not maintains the rage. I think that's a big point of difference. I think the bench is a huge part of this game. <clears throat> Looking at the Rooster side of things, they're excellent in attack. They're excellent in defense. They're similar to the Raiders in yardage. You pick your poison. If it's not Tupo set starting, then you've got Tedesco on kick returns. They get their forwards back behind the ball quicker than anyone. Manu, Morris, it doesn't matter who carries the ball. The trail needs to be busier, though. The trail has been quiet, I think, for the last month, six weeks. He has his moments, but he needs to come find the football, especially in this game of all games. The quick play of the balls they generate, I think, help their smaller pack and the fact they've got the skills in their pack of your Liu's and these kind of guys and Radleys. 
um, whether it's Verrills, whether it's Friend playing there. Jared's obviously the spiritual leader of that pack, but their back five does a very good job at set starts as well. So that's important for them. I don't think anyone in the competition gets into shape quicker than the Roosters do or takes more shots. The fact they've got Kronk, Tedesco, Kiri, it's pretty obvious that they're very well set up. They all know their jobs, but I don't think anyone throws more in attack or sets up quicker for shape. And this game's going to be no different. I think Canberra will throw a bit. I think they've got good matchups, and in particular, I think their left edge up against Canberra's right. I've seen a weakness the more I watch that Caesar edge in particular. Caesar, you can spot Jeez, up. Jeez, you've carved fucking Caesar up tonight. Well, I hope he plays well on the weekend, but when analyzing the grand final, you tell him he's a coach, that's not a weak point you wouldn't You're be looking to. carving him up. You're a coach. Would you exploit that or not? Who? Caesar. And that edge. There's a disconnect on the right edge. Disconnect in what regard? Well, Leigh Lua has the temptation sometimes to run in or hold and Caesar on the weekend backpedaled five metres in behind the line when they went down there a few times. Everything I saw from Sias was pro left. And they put half through or poked their nose through Cody Walker. Murray, every time he engaged, they shift that left-hand side. They're not playing Sias. They're playing the Roosters. That's Tedesco, Kira, Latrell Mitchell, Daniel Tupo, Boyd Cordner. They're going to throw more at that edge, I think, than what Sias did. Mm. But I'm just talking purely from a point of view. I think the other side of the field... I've got trust that Whiten is going to do a good enough job to help from the inside to help out a Croker or someone who sometimes can get caught out in a whitehead. I think Croker's probably the one and I think that's defensively pretty he, susceptible. I think he's just as vulnerable if he gets a one-on-one matchup with Joseph Martin, which is my whole point. Looking at this, I think there's two spots right there. Well, that that's, if, that's both edges. No, no. And this is what I'm highlighting on the flip side. They're going to have to be as good as they've been defensively. Their inside pressure and their release and how hard they work from the inside or marker is going to have to be tenfold this week because if they get any quick play of the balls or the opportunities... Roosters, the Roosters' attack is far more fluent and far more dangerous on their left. It is, but their right also has the ability for individual brilliance. If Croker gets a one-on-one with Joseph If you give Manu space, I yeah. know. And he's shown the last month when Latrell's been quiet that he's more than willing to score freakish tries, drag two players in, set up the wing. He's as good, if not better, than Latrell on his day. I think he's more consistent than Latrell mm. with as much ability. But they're two areas that do concern me. It's not being bias. This is just looking at the game. Like yeah, you've just said, I look at Croker. You're and carving that, him up, Mark. I'm just saying about you're Croker as well. Croker, yeah. You take your green goggles off for a minute and just look at the game. I don't have green goggles. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying carving Caesar, 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 Caesar. Well, they've, they've all got to do it. I know they've got to be better, but I think both the There's edges. a lot of pressure. There's a lot more pressure on Caesar um, in the Raider side than what there is on the halves and key position players in the Rooster side. 100%, because they're proven... Well, no, because you're players. essentially playing... The Raiders are playing with a manufactured 5'8", who can't kick. So it puts a lot more pressure well, on the Well, he was nine. a junior 5'8", you, know, so you also don't have a... We can't kick. You just said he can't kick. He can kick long. You've also got short. a fullback that can't Plenty kick. Plenty of halves can't kick all the variations. So, He's a good long kicker. His short kicking game is not good. Well, he kicked the ball dead multiple times. I know. So it's inside so attacking half. They're half Essentially, back. it puts a lot more pressure on Caesar. The and it means that he's going to get a lot more kick pressure as well. Yeah. Because they know that. So it is, it's a tougher spot for Caesar. Look, Caesar's been inconsistent. He's been inconsistent the whole time he's been in Canberra. But to lump it all on him, I think he's a little bit unfair. I'm lumping it all on him. I'm picking spots where you can go. I think defensively that edge is in general. And before you got there, I was getting at Joey Leilua, who's also got inconsistencies where sometimes he holds, sometimes he jumps in. But if they're disconnected on that edge in particular, they've found love there the first few There's games. There's disconnections on both edges. But Canberra scramble better than anyone. And they've saved more tries, I would, I would think, than anyone. They're going to have to do that again because they're going to get some things wrong in defence. The one thing is, the one thing that Canberra, and, you know, it's a philosophy that I'm not sure whether they live by or not, but they miss high. 
And what I mean by that is they miss high up the field. They get off nice and hard, and if they make the wrong call, yeah, they make it right up them. the field, and then they'll just scramble on the back of it. So mm. I think you could, you could, I could cut video on both sides, probably even the middle as well, as where they've got things wrong defensively, but they've scrambled and solved it and, and fixed it up. The Roosters, I'm not sure how much has been thrown at the Roosters, how much pressure they've really had to withstand. Like, they had to withstand some periods on the weekend against Melbourne, but the quality of what Melbourne were throwing at them wasn't great. I don't even think the Roosters got out of second gear. So No, that's what I mean. So, you know, I'm they haven't been tested. So if you get to... Switch. No, I don't, I don't think that's a fallacy. I don't think you can flick a switch. I think there's something to be said for... Um, hardness of games and, and being in those grinds. And I think Canberra have got that well, because Canberra are a lower quality side. Like if you match them up head to head, the Roosters could probably sneeze and win games where Canberra would have to, you know, get into third or fourth gear and win it. Well, I think but if they if Canberra elevate here and, and get them into a game and get the Roosters slightly off and the burner goes onto the Roosters, you've got to have spent the time and you've got to have that running in your legs and you've got to be tried and tested. How many times have the Roosters been tested? Not often this season. I think they've won. I'm, I'm looking at a world where... Played Origin, dealt with injuries, reshuffles. Yeah, you get all that. You're not giving but we're talking enough about, credit to the Rooster side of things. But credit just, for what? Well, you're making it out like they've just rolled I'm not making it out for it all. Tried, like, I'm not saying they haven't tried. They've had plenty of contra- uh, things they've had to overcome. But I certainly, watching them on the well. weekend, I don't think they're going as well as what I think people make ugly. out. It was ugly. That's my point. I think last year they were outstanding at the back end of the year. Watching them on well, the weekend. Two weeks ago, they lit South on fire, and you got just watched the Raiders play yeah, South and struggled to beat them. Half so, and then they... Yeah, but you're still saying the same thing. Like you've just watched them burn South to the ground in 40 minutes. We just watched the Raiders struggle to score yeah, points. But you're saying, yeah, but then that's a dumb and... argument because you're saying it's not the same team they played. They played a different team two weeks in a totally different scenario. You never play the same team. It's it, to compare form and teams across weeks. You're not playing the same players, same ground, same conditions, same referee. Well, they weren't it's much a different both finals games. So I'm saying is the track record would say. Well, they were significantly different. They were two weeks different, different ground, playing a team under significantly more pressure in a totally different environment. But anyway, I'm I'm living in a world where I believe the Roosters. Like if you play this game ten times, the Roosters probably win it eight times. Hmm. They're that good. I, but are they going as well as what they were last year? I don't think they are. Is the quality of their opposition that they're going to play, are Canberra better than Melbourne's team last year? I'd probably, say, I'd probably say no. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to highlight where Canberra can win this game. Yeah, and I'm trying to do the same for the Roosters. I'm not doing a car like I don't think you really need to with the Roosters. I think most people would be able to sit there and go, right, yeah. they've got, like the Roosters have got two international halves, They've got an origin-level hooker. They've probably got the best fullback in the game since Slater and will probably compete with Slater by the time his career is done. They've got an international forward pack. Yeah. They've got a bench where most of those guys would go into starting sides in other NRL clubs, right? But my whole point so is... So across that, like, they've got probably the best coach in the game as well or, or an elite-level coach. Mm-hmm. They're spending more money than anyone. They're pretty fit apart from their issue at night. So, I'm not disagreeing with you. My whole point is... This is all not things a, equal. This is not a carve-up. This is not being biased. I'm doing exactly what you just said. I'm trying to pick areas where I think they're going to expose them. From the whole point of why we do a preview or why we do the show in general is to give but people... What I'm saying is Canberra are flawed. Areas you're looking Canberra at. are flawed yeah. defensively. The Roosters have got some flaws but as well. But what I'm Canberra saying, I think scramble better than anyone. I know that. And we spoke about but that. But what I'm saying is how many times this season have the Roosters had their asses to the try line and had to really dig in? 
Not often. Like That's the point I was making. They turn people away. Rubbish. Against quality attack. Well, what do you mean quality? They've, for, played, they've beaten the Raiders twice well, already. Played, well, who else do you want them to beat? Played, what else um, do you want them to do? They beat Melbourne last week. They beat Melbourne during the They beat the Melbourne with one half. So did the Raiders. So Defending what's the difference? Pop gun footy. It's the same thing. So They both beat the same team. They beat Melbourne. And the Raiders have lost to them twice. But they beat Melbourne. Raiders beat Melbourne down in Melbourne. Which is a yeah, lot harder. And we lost to the Roosters in Melbourne. <coughs> who? The Roosters beat Melbourne in Melbourne. Yeah, but that was start of the year. Well, you're still saying who have they beaten in the year? year? They've won games. Oh, I get that. I'm not saying the Roosters aren't going to win. No, the I'm Roosters aren't a better side. But the whole point before is you're going, oh, it's just a car while you pick up. I'm not saying that moments. the Roosters, to me, haven't been put under as much pressure as any other team in the competition because they're that talented that they haven't really needed to. Yeah, but going back to what you're saying about pressure So and what I'm saying is if, if it other, comes to a point where they've got to do it for set on set on set on set... I think they'll deliver. We have, okay, we'll Because we'll of see. what you've just said, and I just put in the line we'll of the see. last points I was going to make, is this team's full of grand final and rapper experience. These guys have played in these games where that's required mm. to get you over the line. For the Raiders, there's only one player that's played in a grand final. It was Joey Leilua when he played for the Roosters in 2010 as an 18-19 year old. I'm not saying that really... Matters that all the time mean, either for grand final experience. But you want to talk about big games when it matters or can they dig in? A lot of these Roosters players have played in big games and dug in when it mattered. So I think they're well and true out for it. The only points I was making aren't to carve people up. It's just an absolute critical analysis looking at points where I think you'd go for. So I'm asking you. You're the smarter one out of man. You. You're not trying to attack that left edge. I'd go to both edges. That's my point. What That's would you go if, Okay, so because if, if, if I'm a coach and I just say, well, I'm just going to exclusively attack down the left-hand side, the other coach plays chess and puts a player across there. I was trying to highlight, though. I'd be going to the middle of the field if I'm the Roosters trying to get a quick play of the ball and setting up shape on both yeah. sides of the field. And that's what they were doing on the weekend against Melbourne. You could see Cronk sitting behind the play of the ball and even from taps and scrums, right, we're going here, we're going here for two and we're going to split the field and go. And the nine makes the decision where the ball goes for the Roosters because they've got quality halves on both sides of the field. They don't need to you know, set up to a, a tram and go to one side because they've only got one half. So, you know, yeah, what, no, side, what side are the Raiders going to go to? Offensively, they're going to favour their right. That's where I think they're going to go, and they're going to try which and go after Caesar. theory, which I just said at the start. And again, that's the end reason I'm Caesar. Caesar. I'm not. And that's where Caesar that's out. where I'm I think. Point. And that's where I think it's a little bit flawed as well, because you know when the ball goes to Whiten, he's either going to give early ball, or he's going to run. run. He plays shorter, he runs. So it's going to make it a little bit easier to defend on that side. I think Roosters can confidently come off their line a little bit harder on that edge. Yeah, so... Because they know that he's not really going to beat you with tempo or ball playing. Back to what I was saying before, though. This is not a carve-up. I'm just pointing out... Spots. You're, trying to, you're getting defensive. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, that I'm you trying need to, to get back defensive. To I'm just saying that we're, we're putting a lot to. on Aiden Caesar, but it's <laughs> not real are. fair on Aiden Caesar because there's other guys around that should be helping him out. He's not getting a lot of help. I think he's getting plenty of help. His forward pack's doing a job, and I think he's nine. I've just said that he's six... Isn't going to help him at all in in regards six to six is going to run his edge, and he's going to kick long. Yeah, and look, I think Whiten's been close to the five eight of the year. But some halves share responsibility in what they do well and what they don't do well. But it's going to be Whiten's it's, it's going to be significantly kicker. harder for Caesar than what it is for Cronk on Sunday night. My point is, Caesar's because had of games, the players he's got surrounding him. He's had some good games, yes, but last week in one of the bigger games, I didn't see him get involved enough in attack or defensively miss tackles and kicking. He was absent. In particular, inside good ball, set finish kicks there. He needs to be doing the kicking. He needs to take control. Long distance kicks out of trouble. Jack kicks the shit out of it. I've got no problem with him kicking. He's got a huge leg. But he shouldn't be taking the kicks inside 20 or 30 like he was. But the things I'm pointing out, like I said, they're going to go heavy to the left as they have all year. But in particular, 
I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they favour as they have all year because Caesar is known to fall off tackles and on that edge they can get a bit disconnected and Leilua is one to disconnect from the system and go a bit rogue. So it's no shit they've scored most of their tries down that left-hand edge, but the dangerous thing on the right, Whiten's outstanding defensively. He'll do a hell of a job. Elliot Whitehead, like I said, will help out. But if they end up getting one-on-ones with Croker and Manu, that's a mismatch as well, obviously. But it all starts, like you said, in the middle. But if there's anywhere that if, I think... If, if they can hold those edges up. Yeah. Because as I said, all... they're going to come up hard off... They're going to come up hard and miss high, Canberra. But it all starts in the middle. And they do a hell of a job there of all places. If Papali can match up with Jared Rea Hargraves and do a hell of a job there, Hodgson, Soliola, etc., and they can hold the fort to start with in particular, and that's the biggest part of this game is the start because the last two times they've missed it. That's the big thing. But the thing that worries me, and it's the real sealer in the game, is the bench. How long does Papali play? Do they put them under pressure if it's well, 50-50 if gonna, game? If you played 70 last Soli week, Ola, Papai, 70, yeah. But when Liu or Gula or Horsberg get on the bench, I don't think they're changing the game or lifting the tempo for Canberra. On the other Did side... Did you name anyone different? No, only Sutton. No, in the, the 20, in the 21. No? No, Sutton's the only other one he'll probably use. He's not using Sebastian Chris, Sam Williams or Saliba Harvey. Whereas I look at the Roosters... And if you can bring on Angus Crichton and deploy him on your right edge and you can take Orbison off or push him in, or you've got Butcher, who's dynamic, footwork offload, Tokiaho, Tedavano is an international, they flip their whole forward pack and they yeah, maintain the They've already gone the through the benches. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to make a point as to everything I've just said. Uh, I think they've got a much better chance as far as, like we said, the kicking game and controlling that side. They'll probably lead into another, one another as well. Like, if the Raiders get under fatigue and they're giving away penalties, they're going to have to put their bench on earlier and they're going to be weaker hmm. so I can see a world where this game blows out to 40 if the Raiders get dunked on early and they have to put their bench on and they become fatigued and ill-disciplined and it could, it could get out of hand I I, I really I, do, do I see a world where the Raiders win by 40? not a chance in the world do I see a world where the Roosters win by 40? absolutely the game could get away from Canberra if they get it wrong and they've got to put the bench on because the bench is inferior no doubt, no doubt in the world I don't disagree with that. Uh, probably the last point is the strength of the Raiders is also, to me, the biggest strength of the Roosters. I think they are the best defensive side in the competition. Mm. And I don't think the Raiders have as much an attack. But, but they're so- different strengths in defence. Like, like we just said before, I think when you're talking about breaking down edges, that's right because they get a lot wrong, but they scramble well. I think the Roosters don't get a lot wrong defensively. No, but I also They'll think be a little bit do- slower off the line. And they'll just—they're very decision and process-based defensive line. I think they catch better and they make better contact and they have a better process. I think they—that's my point. Steal time in the ruck better. That's and my point. I think on their yeah, goal line, they're just as good, if not better, than the Rose. No, I agree. So I agree. And you can only scramble. Scramble's only going to work for you for so long. Mm. You can do it a couple of times. You know, your Cody Walker save from Hodgson. You can only rely on that happening maybe once a game. Well, the other thing, again, I think, again, we talked about it before, pure individual talent, like Latrell physically or these some of their guys physically, your Tedesco's, they don't have those things happen to them. I think they're just a completely different outfit in that regard. If it's a one-on-one with a Hodgson or whoever, I don't think they make that mistake. I don't. They're gonna, uh, Campbell got to rattle the Roosters. They do. They're going to rattle their fucking cage. And they went off, like I said, the key points for them. But the biggest one is their D. I think they're never going to be pushed harder than they are this week unless the Roosters make errors, invite them to the game, give away penalties of their own and completely stuff up and that. If the Roosters complete 80%, can get their attack to click, play both sides of the field and get at those two centres in particular... If that happens... It could be a long day. Canberra are going to have to complete it at 90 95%. Yeah. 
and the kicking game is going to have to be outstanding. Still That's the only reason enough. I've highlighted Caesar. He's going to have to have one of the, to me, one of his best games for them to win. And it's because I think yeah, Canberra's a whole. If they complete, get to the middle of the field on play five, and he can just dink it into a corner. That's it, but he's not even been doing that. That's my no. point. He but I, th- I think that that's why I th- that's what I'm trying to say, that they've had different tactics. They've obviously been different. And if, if – or they've been incorrect tactics and they've gotten away with it. So we'll see. I, I, if I'm Canberra, I'd be – and if I'm Ricky Stewart, I'd be getting another coach to have a look at me and go, righto, what would you do to try and beat us and work out a plan to where are the Roosters going to go, what are they going to do? And try and combat that and play that out of training as much as possible this week. And then just when they get into good ball, Canberra, I'd be I'd be saying to them, play through, not around. I really do think that if you can, your best chance of breaking down the Roosters system is to isolate players. Well, it is. It's their forward pack closer to the ruck. Um, similar to one where Smith came out and hit yeah. a Sofa Solomona, and you know, sort of he fell over the line because the Roosters held off a little bit there mm. because they ran that double lead shape into the line. And that's what I got out earlier. Hodgson's going to have to show short, long, vary the ruck shapes, mm. turn players back under. But again, they're... I think Caesar's best chance in good ball will be running it a little they're bit. Gonna that's ask, going to hold that edge up a little bit for the Roosters. They're going to ask, like I said, a lot of their starting pack. That's my point. And against the Roosters, well, they whether they get one or Regardless not. Regardless of the way the game goes, they've asked a lot of their starting pack all year. Yeah. But they're going to a have lot to of benches are better than Canberra's. Horsberg's outstanding. I've got no problem. And I like Liu's done a solid job. But I mean, in this environment against this team... Louis, you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. I thought he was poor on the weekend. That's my point. That's, Concerned, That's yeah. a huge thing for me. But we've gone probably a bit longer than we have, but I, we couldn't cover it. <coughs> no, we're breaking it down. We're yeah. talking footy. This is what people want. But we're talking footy. We're arguing. That's the big good. man for me. Like I said, they're forward pack. I have no doubt. Papali, Hodgson, these guys will do their jobs. White and defensively, etc. I'm a bit worried about that right edge But all things particular. equal... How many, how many times out of 10 do you reckon the Roosters win this game? If it's played 10 times? Nine. Yeah, okay. I, I probably think eight. Around that, yeah. yeah. And I love what Canberra have done this year and they're great mm. to watch. But I still think for now, they're a half short. If Williams was there and meets the standards of what they think he's going to be and they had two genuine halves, both sides of the fields, that were physical, good ball runners, good defenders, and a solid kicking game, takes some more pressure off Hodgson and Chance has another season developed, in 12 months' time, this might I might have more confidence with one maybe more man on the bench that, you know, Canberra are more of a shot. I'll tell you someone who I think they could really use on their bench, but he's suspended for being a dead shit, is Hudson Young's two eye gouges. I think he could have been really important off the bench. Mm. I thought he was doing a great job when he was there. And I hope he comes back and we don't see the eye gouge again, even if the second one was as intentional. But I think right now he would be seething personally because I think he definitely would have been a part of this bench and making an impact in this game. And they could have used him. Yeah, could have, should have, not going. All right, it's time to do our tips. Mr. Gossip. Uh, he's got his one in. So as we always do, the win, the winner, and by how much, our first try score, a man of the match, Mr. Gossip. He's gone the Roosters by 13. Tedesco first try and man of the match. Brock, what do I'll you go, think? I'll go Roosters by seven. I think the line at the moment is seven and a half. I'd be taking Canberra. So you can try maybe a field I, goal. No, I'd be taking Canberra with the seven and a half, yeah. Uh, and then the total points, I think, is 32 and a half. I'd probably take overs just. Uh, and that's right around that number, isn't it? That 18, 16. I think that's somewhere near where the score is going to be. And first try scorer, who do you like? Oh, first try scorer, Jesus. I'll go Tupo. Tupo on the left edge. And your man of the match, Clive Churchill, medalist. Mm, I'll go uh, Luke Curie. The thing is, the obvious pick in big games is usually pretty obvious. So, Who have you both gone, Teddy? Yeah. 
I couldn't help myself. I just think he's been good, awesome against them twice. He's been good during the final series. I think last week he made a few errors. I think this week he won't get it wrong. My reason for going Kiri, I think gradually as this year's gone on, he's taken he's more and more control. control. It's his side now. Um, Crossy, oh, Crossy plays above his weight. He's outstanding. Like watching him on the weekend live, he just looks fucking like a midget on the field. And the biggest improvement's the kicking game. Plays tough. There's the no game. shit in him. Like when he gets interviewed, there's no ego in him. He, it's just hard not to like him. Mm. Um, well, look, I would love to see Canberra win, and I've said all year that I just I don't want to see the Roosters win it again. I, but again, all things equal, um, they're clearly the better well, again, side. We've, we've said sides could yeah. go back to back. I think their side this year is probably better than the side last year. Like, what did they lose from last year's grand final? Yeah, I'm just not sure they're playing as well as what they were last year. I'm just saying. That's just from my eye test watching them the other night. I went to the game expecting probably to see both sides play better, to see Melbourne play better. And then I thought Melbourne really really poor, but I didn't think the Roosters were far off them. So that, that concerns me a little bit. Yeah. Well, my prediction, I've got the Roosters by eight. I'm going to stick with our track record of picking back rowers to score first in a grand final. I'm going to go Boyd Cordner. We scored first on the week. To crash over for the first try, getting at the inside or outside shoulder of Caesar and Leilua, that kind of edge over there. I reckon if they pull him apart, they might play short first. He's the easiest one to pick for man of the match, but I think this year, Origin, all the big games, he's been the best player for him. I think he'll do it again on the weekend. That's Tedesco. So... There you go. We've he'll, all... do the, he'll do the Dally M and the Churchill double, you reckon? I think he could basically win that. Last time, the last time was um, Jonathan Thurston did it in 2015, I think it was. So, yeah, and we look at the odds and our tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes out for their college package and if any best bets or promos for this weekend's NRL Grand Final, the insider and the college guy. They've returned a profit the last two years of double digits. And anyone knows for punters or professional punters, that's absolutely outstanding. Keep your eyes open. Thanks to Matty and Will, the boys there at the Pro Sports Syndicate. The odds from them, $1.40 for the Roosters, $3 for the Raiders. That line that Brock spoke about is 7.5. Bets, Brock, if you're going to have two Well, yeah, the one earlier, I want um, Newtown, I want the Dragons in the girls into Newtown in the state championship. That's playing $3.25. Um, and then the other bet I would have is take Canberra plus 7.5. And, and have they got the, what the over and under is? I think it was 32.5. Go to main markets. I should have it there. 33.5. Oh. Yeah, I'll go over. So would that be, be about 280 or something? Uh, no, it'd be about three three fifty. Well, what what were the odds for the line? Dollar eighty eight, dollar eighty eight. Is that what it is? Pretty sure it is. Dollar ninety, dollar eighty eight. Well, I'm going to go the Roosters one to twelve again this weekend. I think they'll be uh, very very close in that regard. Yeah, three dollars fifty seven. It is. So yeah, three fifty. And if you look on the Ladbrokes website, and this is a bet I like, they've got $5 and you can have a maximum 100 for a try win. It's Joseph Manu and Roosters win at $5. So I like that one on Ladbrokes, if you like it. So they're my two bets. I'll have both of mine for the grand final. But looking, some of those odds brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Clive Churchill, medalist, the favourite, Tedesco 450, Cronk. 
in his last ever game, $6, $6.50 for Kiri. For Canberra, the favourite is Hodgson at 9 Jack White at 13 Papali, who was awesome on the weekend, $15, bit of value, or Bateman at 17 if the Raiders do prevail. Bit of an outsider if you think Boyd Cordner was probably man of the match on the weekend. 15 Jack Friend, if he plays an absolute blinder first game back, $19. If Caesar delivers on the big stage, you can get 23 If you like an outsider, if Charles Nickel Clogstad has a blinder, $21. Um, some value there. Verrills, if he ends up playing a full game and Friend doesn't play, $34 for him there, starting in a grand final. Is there any value ones there, Brock, if you weren't going to go? One of those main players? For what, what is it? Tr- for Churchill. Clive Churchill. Is there any someone like a Bateman or a Papali or, say, a Verrills, if he plays 80 minutes and scores a try, has some kind I mean, of a Josh game? Josh Papali's good value at 15. 15. He, he would have won. Did he win man of the match in the other? I think last game? week he was easily the man of the match. I yeah. like Boyd Cordner as well at 15 if he has another big game. Whiten could easily get it um, as a half if they, if they win it. Um, well, Sam Verrills has got to be good odds. So if, he, yeah, if he plays sorry, 80 yeah. and scores a yeah. try and does well, like $34 for a hooker, he's had some good games this year. Like, Otherwise, no. Like, I, Really, usually it's really it's going to be it's going to be one of, your, one of your top six you think yeah, would it's win. Usually it. a spine player. That's generally the go. First try scorer markets. Looking at what we've just said before, Tupo, no surprise, favourite eight fifty. Brett Morris is at nine dollars. Tedesco nine dollars. Latrell Mitchell nine dollars. That dangerous left edge and Morris obviously on the right. But all those left hand sweep plays and that left edge in particular are the short favourites. The wingers for Canberra: Rapana eleven, Kotrick twelve, Croker at fifteen. Manu, if he gets one early out there, he scored first in a couple of the games recently. He's fifteen dollars. Cordner, my pick, the back row in the grand final, twenty-one. What do we tell people in the year if you have five on all the back rows? I think, yeah, I think for Canberra, it's probably less likely with a Whitehead. Whitehead's not really that line running kind of back row. He's more a passer and a creator. Bateman scored a couple of tries, but if you're going to bet your money on anyone as far as back rows in this grand final, I think Cordner's the one. He's the one who runs that genuine tough line outside mm. to in. So if you're going to back a back row, he'd be the one. Leilua at $17. If he gets a matchup early on, Kiri, some value. Jackie Whiten with some early ball, 23. Uh, 26 for the other back row in Orbison. Whitehead's 31. Bateman, 29. Cooper Cronk for a halves try. We've seen that before in the grand final, 34 bucks. Victor Radley, he's crashed over in the middle before from a tip player and offload, $31. So there's some value there, Boxhead. Maybe a Verrills for a Matty Ballon-style one first up in the grand final. 41 Dora. That's huge coin. I, I like the two-scorer try market better. I, I've been backing number 11 because my daughter's well, birthday is the 30, 31st of the 7th, so I've been going 3 plus 1 plus 7 is 11. And I'll tell you what, there's been a few 11 score the last few weeks. Oh, yes. Johnny Sutton scored. Um, John Bateman scored. Uh, Boy Cordner scored. So I've been making some money. In the Dahlia market, I don't want to go too much into the odds, but the heavy favourite for tomorrow. Well, he just wins, doesn't he? Dahlia is. If Tedesco. he doesn't win, something's broken. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, he's a dollar thirty. Next favourite is five dollars for Cameron. He Smith. should be. He should be a dollar ten. I've closed it because I don't think anyone outside of those two can win it. They've nom- had the nominees up for the uh, all the awards tomorrow night. So the fullback of the year, the nominees: Tedesco, Nickel Clogstad, Sheck, Gutherson, and Jerome Hughes. So clearly. He polled enough votes because that's how it works. Early in the year at fullback for Storm, I thought he was one of the better players, that he still finished in the top five for the fullbacks. But that's easy. Fullback of the year is Tedesco. Yeah, definitely. So that one sorts itself. 
the wingers well, of the year. If he's not, that's an early sign. He's not going to. He's not going to win the yeah, well, M. The wingers of the year, but they won't announce that until no. late anyway. The wingers of the year for the Dalyams that have been nominated uh, are Blake Ferguson, Daniel Tupo, Edric Lee, Addo Carr, Marmolo. For Edric me, Lee? it'll be Tupo or Marmolo. Sevo didn't even get nominated. Nope. Wow. Dalyam points. This is why the Dalyams are weird. If you don't get votes, you don't get nominated, which is stupid. So you're telling me Edric Lee has more points than Matt yep, Marcusivo? because he played in the Newcastle side. So clearly he polled votes. So this is why I look at the Dalyam sometimes. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like People can win the award because they had two or three good games during the year where they got points. I've, you, said, an, I've said enough controversial things tonight. Well, I think if it was legit, it would have to be between... Tupo, Marmolo and Ferguson, I'd be Tupo happy. Tupo should just piss it in. But Ferguson missed a lot of games. But, yeah, I'd say Tupo out of that group. So, But that's how the Dalians work. If you don't get votes, which they obviously weren't voting for him, you don't get nominated, which is silly. Centre of the year, Brian Kelly, Isan Masters. Brian Kelly? Jared Croker, Latrell Mitchell and Will Hopawate. You know what? I'll throw this out here. With the votes, because he played for the Dogs, he would have got more. I reckon Hopawate, with the way they vote, will probably win that. Hey, I'm just saying, with the way the voting system works, don't be surprised if Will Opawate wins centre of the year. You disagree with me? With the way the voting works? He, yeah. he would have got votes for the Bulldogs. Congratulations. I'm You've just saying. Been watching fucking footy on this TV. Is the Dally, I know, this is the Daly M thing, so. Please. Uh, five, eight nominees of the year, Benji Marshall. Why does it go on votes? Because the votes, again, it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You could be playing, like, for Brian Kelly to be nominated... Well, he and Joseph Manu not to be nominated. Well, my whole point. Like, hello? So he wasn't polling votes. This is why the Dalian Polling votes. No, he wasn't polling votes because he's got fucking... If you... Stack fucking international team he's playing with. The award winner for the position is the top vote getter for a Realistically, position. it should be the top four teams make up the majority of that side and then there should be a sprinkling should of maybe a couple of... should be a panel who vote for Surely they'd have enough common sense to say this is the best winger oh, or this is the best thing. But this is how it works, so... Early in the year, yeah, this is, it's been like this for years. Like it's time for a change. It should change. I agree. I'm change. not disagreeing with you. Edric Lee shouldn't be even nominated. But he the is. whole night's a piss take. It goes for, you know, there's more ads in it than what there is show. It's just, well the five eight nominees. Well, I think we could we could have a really special night and do it properly and, and yeah, have it be done should. right. Like but the brown it's light. just crap. With the five eight nominees: Benji Marshall, Cameron Munster, Luke Keary, Cody Walker, Jack Whiten. Right, I think they've got that right. They've got that right. As to who wins, well, Munster was the favourite for a while, so I'd think his votes I might... I think Whiten should win. Well, I'd think for the whole year, you'd probably be close to right. But again, the way the voting worked, I think Marshall would have made a late run for it. He had Marshall some cracker games. Uh, halfback of the year, Adam Reynolds, Chad Townsend, DCE, Pierce or Moses. You'd think Moses probably would have polled. Oh, I think DCE should win that award. I think you're probably right, but with the voting... Him and Pierce won like six men of the match awards in a row. So, again, if that period... I'd have bet on Pierce uh, about the... 16 rounds in. Yeah, he won't win the medal, but no, he, he won't, won't win halfway there. He'll be winning full goal. Prop of the year, David Clemmer, Josh Papali, Paul Vaughan, Tokiaho and Payne If it's Huss. not Papali, I'll walk fucking backwards yeah, from well, here. Yeah, Haas might have got more votes because of the team he plays in. So, this is the way it works. So, I'm with you. It'd be Papali. It's he, was, he was the best Cooker. player in origin. McInnes, Smith, Cook, Hodgson, Farrah. I don't care if you hate Cameron Smith. He still was the best hooker in the Him game and this season. Clearly. So I think Damien Cook started well, finished poor. Second row of the year, I think Bateman wins that hands down. Kenny Bromwich had an outstanding year, though. Manu Ma'u, Ryan Madison, Madison yeah. Burgess. I think Madison definitely would have polled some votes again in the team that he played in. And the lock of the year, Cameron Murray, Dale Finuc, and Jake Javojevic, Tamalolo. It's going to be Murray easily. What a pull that is. Those four, what are those four locks, though? Those four... All for their clubs. Yeah, 
I think Murray has been the best lock. Interchange player of the year. Brandon Herman Ueli, Brandon Smith, Francis Molot, Manishi Fanu, Regan Campbell Gillard. I think Fanu could easily win that award. Fanu, Smith, or Ueli, I wouldn't complain for any of them. How the hell did Regan Campbell Gillard get an award? Tell me. Farnu, Does that go on Dalian points? I have no idea. Does that mean he got that one, polled? No, not that one, I don't think. But if that was Hamlin, he played fucking reserve grade. If that was Hamlin, Ueli, Smith, or Farnu, I wouldn't complain either way. I think all in their own way were very impactful. But didn't Brandon Smith won it last year, didn't he? No. Jazz Devunga. Who was also great this year off the bench again. But out of those three, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd but be going Brandon Smith. Female player of the year, Jess Sergis, Bo Vet Walsh. I think she'll win that hands down. Millie Boyle and Shantae Poco. I think it'd be between Sergis and Vet Welsh. Sergis. She's a gun. Vet Welsh is a gun. She's very good. Rookie of the year, this is a good class. They've nominated <laughs> Sherry Please. Sivo, Hassel, Pappenhausen, Nikora, but Haas is there. It's a good class though. It is a good class. But Haas, he will definitely be taking that. Captain of the year, that's subjective. Cordner Smith, DCE, Croker Hodgson and Josh Jackson. Like Smith does a great job every year. Cordner does a great job every year. I think they'll give it to Croker Hodgson because they've made the grand final. Oh, yeah, they'll give it to Cordner. But all worthy. And coach of the year. Cordner just, he, there's no shit in him either. He just goes nah. about it. Good leader. Coach of the year, Arthur Bellamy, Hasler, Stuart it Robinson. Should be, should be Bellamy. Every year he should have won more of them, but I think they'll give it to Stuart. Or Des. I think the, the way they played and the way they were just put away on the weekend shows you how much coaching needs to be done to get a team of lower ability up to even competing with a side like the Roosters. Stuart or Des, I think they'll get. Stuart, I think if they won the competition, he deserves to be coach of the year. And this is why I don't think they should award do the awards until postseason. That's just my take on it. Uh, if, if, if the Roosters go back-to-back, I, I believe Robinson deserves to win it. Um, a lot of it comes down like the coach of the year clearly has got to be the guy that, that wins it all and there's probably room for a regular season award and a, and a finals award if you wanted to go that way um, for a, you know biggest improver maybe uh, you know, well this year it'd be Arthur it'd be yeah, Arthur, Arthur come from the wooden spoon Des um, week two you could battle it out but when you're talking about the top end guys it really should come down to either A who won the minor premiership which was Bellamy and then B who goes on and wins the comp mm. Yeah, and the last one, obviously, what we said, is the Dalliam, and I think... Tedesco I don't see why. I think the back end of the year, Origin, you're allowed to poll votes. He would have polled in every Origin game. I think he would have got eight points out of Origin, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it would have been... He would have been out of the match game seven. one and three, and he would have at least got one or two in game two. he would have got two. one in game two. So he didn't lose out during that time of the year either. No, sorry, he would have got man of the match in... One and three. In, no, because we won two and three. We lost game one. Because we had to win, we had to go to Perth and win. Well, in that case, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mixed it up. No, 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 you're right. I think he but still would have polled in. That you game. just got it in the wrong order. We had to win in Perth, he which still was game polls, two, I think. and then we won at home in game three. Yeah. Uh, and before we finish, that was huge. Uh, we probably went a little bit longer on some of those topics we wanted. Massive grand final preview, heavily in depth. But two things that have popped up on the website and poor timing for the Raiders, in my opinion. Number one, no surprise, Bateman to seek an upgrade. Future clouded at Canberra and today of all times to be talking about money and Well, they, they mooted the right this on thing. NRL 360 last week. Isaac is Moses is his manager Fucking in Australia. This week. And no surprise, Isaac Moses lets that leak at this time. Of all the times, like you think you could have just kept your mouth shut for one week and they probably would handle this. And I'm sure they will want to give him the upgrade, but this is why they're talking cap pressure with your lay lure on 600000 Rapana wants a big deal. He's probably going to have to leave. I think they've got the players and showed this year they can play without both of them. I think Rapana's injuries this year and his form don't warrant the money that he wants now, but they made him an offer similar to Austin, bigger at the start of the year, and he didn't take it. So 
Blake Lua, though, for 600000 he can happily go to the Bulldogs or wherever they're talking about if I'm Canberra. Bailey Simonson's proved that he can play on the wing. Kotrick, they've got Harley Shields coming through. They've got Manisi Kaho, and they've obviously got Matt Tomoko. So I think they can cover up for that. Bateman, what would you pay him? They're talking he wants double what he's on now. So they're talking close to seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars for John Bateman. Six. I'm probably with you after one year. I'd want to see it for more than a season. He's a great player. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, but Isaac Moses. Why? Why now? That's shit tactics. Anyway, shit tactics. And the other yeah, one. But again, managers, players. As Hodgson well. maybe quarantined from his teammates out of the grand he said final. He's got some kind of virus. Yeah, I got a conspiracy theory. I reckon the head knock. He's feeling the after effects. I don't reckon he's crook. I reckon he's not training because he's probably feeling a bit dizzy. No, I don't think so. From the after effects. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. You well, Raiders hater. No. You were just getting dirty because I was picking holes at Aiden Caesar. I'm not getting dirty. I don't, I don't defend Aiden Caesar. Well, I hope it's a ripper game. I'm absolutely tonguing to go watch this grand final. I think it's outstanding that we've got a new team like the Sharks grand final the other year, like the Broncos Cowboys grand. There's been a few so far atmosphere-wise and all the best ones atmosphere-wise in my opinion have been when a team hasn't been there in a long time. Parramatta in 09, I really enjoyed. That crowd was absolutely insane. Um, and we're going to get one this weekend. They reckon 70-30. Yeah. The ticket sales. I, they're bringing the horn. I didn't want to see They're bringing Bruce the Viking Storming. clap. And for, I, I still got mates that play there that I played with. I played with Jack. I played with Papa. I'm happy for all those guys, but I just think the Roosters are a better side, and I think they'll be the first team to go back-to-back in however many years. So. We'll get your Roosters jersey for Sunday. No, I won't. I'll be wearing neutral colours because Melbourne's not in. And I'll just be drinking and enjoying it. How many years in a row is this now? I think this is my 14th, so for you it'd be... I think this might be... 19, 20. This could be my 20th, yeah. So there you go. I think uh, also, we probably didn't bring it up earlier because it's late night as always when we're recording. The punters were hitting us up for the Novotel thing beforehand. Are we going in that early or not? I don't know what time we're planning on going in yet. At. What time What time do they want to meet up? I have no idea. What time's it go to? One thirty, doesn't it? One fifteen. And When's we need the... to get in there. We need to get in there at one fifteen. Yeah, because I want to watch the State Cup. No, because we want to get... Members Bar. Members Good Bar. Suits. But we I want, want to watch the get... State Cup. We want to get pole position at the Members Bar. If we were going to go... Because we're not going to sit in our seats this year. We're going to stand at the Members Bar and we're going to try and drink 150 schooners. Well, we've also got uh, one of your mates come with us and we have to sort out a time. But if, if we're going to go to the Novator early, we'll post something up on the page. It'll be made. You mentioned it earlier in the year and you've set the fans off. So a few, That's people, fine. a few people have inboxed and said, Well, we couldn't do the Super Saturday meetup. Are we going to the Novotel? If they're going to the grand final? if they're going to the grand final, then let's meet up, let's have some schooners. So if it was gonna be Novotel and we're gonna get in early, I'd say maybe eleven, eleven thirty, maybe for an hour and a yeah. bit before we go on the ground. Yeah. So there you go. And if you if you frown upon drinking at eleven o'clock on grand final day, then smash your head in the table. You just drink all day. How you do it, mate. It's frowned upon if you don't drink a couple of Skunamis at the game, mate. Also, loving people tagging me on Twitter about the Bricky's laptop because Karen Munster was playing the pokies this week. Well, what about that bell end? Yeah, what a dick. Why, and fucking, why roo- they publicise it all? Because my Cameron roosters be... Uh, so, mate, you didn't play in the game. You're bro. a flog. Fuck off. He handled it well. Camera should have headbutted him. He handled it, he handled Seriously. it well. And what about the other part? Harry Grant. I thought he would be a clean skin. He got so drunk he passed out on his neighbour's doorstep. That's a bad I thought he'd been bashed. That's a mad Monday. Good effort, Harry. I'll tell you the other one. Aiden um, Guerra fucking crushed, in, oh, crushed his yeah, scooter well, in Bali. You see that? You ever, you ever like been... he fucking a gravel face. Mate, you don't ride scooters over oh. there or Thailand. That's asking for trouble. That's no, just poor. 
But there you go. Monster show. It's been a couple of huge weeks. There's been illness and late nights. So what do we got? What have we got from here? We've got our awards show and then our reviews and we're done. Well, last year I had a look, look today. How oh, no, we, we did grand final review, don't we? I looked last year what we did. We did a grand final companion slash review. So we watched the game and did a review. Fuck, it was a stinker of a game last year. Yeah. And then we did the awards and um, season review in one show. So we'll see how the game well, goes. Let's do that again. If the game's Barry, if the game's Barry Crocker, we're not doing a game. You can stick your game companion up. It'll be a review, awards, everything in one show. But realistically, there'll be one. There'll be one or two left. But we might have to break it up, but like post it all on the one night, but break it up. My favourites are still doing season previews and season reviews. they're not my favourites. I love the in-depth look at the lineups. Looking at talking shit about nothing. Yeah, went fucking over tonight because you kept cutting in, getting dirty because I was trying to pick out points on attack. You can have Aiden Caesar back at the Gold Coast. He's going to be available by the end of this year. You, you do 90% of the talking on this show anyway, mate. You can take him right. back. I don't want him back. To all the Canberra fans out there, seriously, though. Canberra, like, you're bashing Aiden Caesar. Every, every Canberra player needs to play their best game of the yeah, week. That's my point. I'm saying that a lot of them have yes, pulled... the Aiden hater. They've all pulled their weight this year. It's time for Aiden to step up. I hope he does. Because Papa, Hodgson, everyone else has. Aiden... Hashtag pray for Aiden. Hashtag earn your money. Pray, pray for Caesar. And I'm sure all the Canberra fans would not disagree with me, but... Uh, to every Canberra fan out there, enjoy the weekend. Good luck to your team. I bet you're all stoked. Uh, and got... remember who told you they were contenders. There you go. Well, he, this bloke. He'll just keep riding that train and trying <laughs> to throw the bash out there. But it should be absolutely outstanding for all Roosters fans as well. Look forward to the game. Best of luck to your team, all the Raiders fans. If you haven't bought tickets, spend the money. doesn't matter how much they cost. Get on board. Go support your team. Hopefully we get a ripper contest. And at the end of the day, I'd love to see an upset. If the Raiders can do it, how good would that be? It's a story that would come way out of left field. No one really put them in the finals. They gave them a chance during the year. If they went all the way through, beat Melbourne twice at the back end of the season and rolled the Roosters in the grand final, how massive of a storyline would that be for 2019? But for now, everybody, buckle in. Second versus third. Roosters, Raiders, two cracker clashes already this year. They're going to go head-to-head this weekend in the NRL 2019 Grand Final. What a ripper. Enjoy your week, everybody, and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.